Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Washington, D.C. Acknowledge me. Chris Russell on the Team 980. I'm not trying to be a jerk. Uh, baby Russell. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that drop means? Ladies and gentlemen, the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, in for the rooster, Chris Russell, here on this Thursday afternoon in our nation's capital. The madman, Matty Ice behind the glass, getting us going. Matt, I'll be honest with you. I didn't really know that I was filling in for rooster until about Tuesday night. Um, actually, Actually, it was Tuesday afternoon as I was listening to the show. Show open. Chris Russell gives me the news that I'm in for him on Thursday. And boom, now we're here. Big time, big time, big time sports news to talk about. Busy day uh, today in our nation's capital. The Caps begin a two-game road trip tonight uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Alex Ovechkin, as we know, scored goals 15 and 16 on the season. The other night, bringing that number up to 838 career goals 56 and counting away, people. Uh, Ovi has now scored goals in eight of his last eight games. Naturally, right? Reigniting that conversation about him potentially breaking Wayne Gretzky's all-time scoring record. So, Matt, I tossed this around a little bit last night on overtime. I don't know if maybe I'm crazy for saying this. Someone called in immediately and gave Cal Ripken as an answer. When you think about the greatest athletes in the history of D.C. sports, even if Ovi doesn't capture uh, this this NHL's all-time goal-scoring record, would you still have him in that conversation? I'm willing to go out on a limb and say, hell yeah, he's the best athlete ever. So somebody actually said Cal Ripken was in the nomination for D.C.? He's Baltimore. Well, but what I'm saying is, yeah, he's definitely in. But if you're counting Cal Ripken, then I got to throw in my boy Phelps. I'm about to, well, for sure, because we talk about being great. The great. The, the great. The greatest being an Olympian of goat? all time. Come on now. But, I mean, no, you of course you got to put Ovechkin in that list. For sure. For sure. I'm excited to watch. They were actually, uh, we got Monumental Sports Network on here in studio, and they're playing Caps Classics right now. 
Uh, it's a Canadians and Caps old game from 2008. First of all, the graphics look just absolutely <laughs> horrendous, but it's showing a young Alex Ovechkin, man, and the different – someone out there on Twitter, please do this for us – the different phases of Alex Ovechkin because he's had the beard thing going on. Uh, he, he's did the, the, the drunk Russian look for, for a couple of years. I love it, though, man. I'm a huge fan – of Alex Ovechkin, and I just appreciate the way that my guy plays. Uh, but as we mentioned, Caps back in action tonight on the road, first of a two-game trip uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Wizards back in action tonight as well. I'm excited. Fresh off the All-Star break on the road uh, against Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. You can hear that game right here on the Team 980 beginning at 845. Dave Johnson and Glenn Consor will get you laced up uh, with the radio party. Tip-off set for 9 p.m., from Denver, speaking of the Wizards, big-time interview for you all later on in the show. Denny Avdia going to join the program. We'll play that for you. I got to sit down with him yesterday. We'll air that for you at about 3.20 uh, this afternoon. We'll finish out the show talking all things Washington Wizards. But it's just really awesome to get to, to, get to catch up with Denny. And if you think about his emergence this year and the way this young man has handled himself amidst a season that's just been absolutely fireworks for the Washington Wizards. They've been the punching bag of the NBA to this point, uh, but it hasn't stopped Denny Avdia from doing the damn thing, trying to get buckets. Uh, he will join the program coming up at 320. NFL offseason, Matt, as you know, in full swing, just 63 days away from night one of the NFL draft. Our beloved commanders, the local 53, as the, uh, the comedian on the other side of the hall likes to call them, uh, the local 53, five picks in the top 100, and as we've been discussing, right, there are a number of different ways that things can go between now and April. And I know when I say that, people, like, vomit and throw up and get all in a tizzy. But understand that there are a litany of different ways things can go between now and April. But I'm willing to admit, I can concede to this at least. Ultimately, right, the most important decision that will be made this offseason, as we all know, is centered around the quarterback position. How will this team choose to handle the quarterback position? How will this regime choose to attack the quarterback position? That's more of the word that's fitting to me. You got to attack quarterback this offseason. For the past couple of years, we've been, oh, maybe we'll go out and get a quarterback. Maybe we'll find a long-term answer. I need aggression this offseason when it comes to trying to find a long-term answer at the quarterback position. Rooster was out yesterday in command land, as he likes to call it, and there were a bunch of different media scrums going on. We got introduced to the rest of the assistant coaches on the staff, and as audio continues to come out from this thing, the one common theme uh, between all of the assistants that spoke is their desire to come here to Washington to play for Dan Quinn specifically. And Chris Russell has been all over this damn thing. That's why he's the man. He's told us, even before I was on board with Dan Quinn, Chris Russell was nudging me saying, hey, I ain't going to lie, Linnell, man. This Dan Quinn, there's an affinity for him around the National Football League. Folks want to go to work for him. Logan Paulson and Craig Hoffman do a great job with the Take Command podcast. Logan has been championing uh, for Dan Quinn and talking about just the different culture and mentality that he'll be able to bring uh, to this Washington Commanders locker room. And I always say it starts at the top. This coaching staff, though, all being on one accord, and the, the, one of the big buzzwords that we'll use this offseason is collaborative and collaboration. That's been, that's been a big part of this whole thing. 
when it comes to the quarterback process, I always get curious as to, like, how much collaborating really goes on. Because at the end of the day, right, it is a Adam Peters-based decision. Technically, it is a Dan Quinn-based decision, but I don't know. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to stir the pot at all here when I say this. I'm just thinking, right? Do we really want Dan Quinn involved in the quarterback process here? I know he's the head coach. I understand he he's the, the big stick, the guy that carries the big stick in the organization. But what the hell does Dan Quinn know about the quarterback position? So I'm curious, is it going to be a collaborative effort between Dan Quinn, Adam Peters, and Cliff Kingsbury, or is this just something that will be between – the offensive coaching staff, and the front office. And then Dan Quinn potentially has that second final say, so to speak, uh, with Adam Peters finally getting the actual call on the decision that they will make. But either way, big offseason ahead. Quarterback is the number one thing that needs to be addressed. But for me, I think this is the difference, right, between me and a lot of you fans out there on the old X app and Twitter, Facebook, whatever the hell you want to call it, right? I'm ready to crash out. I'm ready to crash out behind whatever decision Adam Peters and company make. I'm ready to go in the foxhole with AP and company. I'm buying whatever the hell they're selling, right? I'm ultimately just appreciative of the position that we're in as a franchise right now. A clean slate. No longer the laughing stock of the National Football League. We got lucky. I don't even want to say we got lucky. But we got lucky. It landed the best damn talent evaluator on the market. We had a tumultuous coaching search. But after all of that, right, everybody you talk to around the league feels like, right, we've assembled one of the best coaching staffs in the National Football League in terms of experience in that right blend of personalities. That's why I was so excited yesterday to hear from Anthony Lynn to hear uh, from Jason Simmons, to hear from Ken Norton Jr. The different personalities on this coaching staff, I think really could ultimately end up being the difference maker. It's going to ultimately be the difference maker to me because we'll have the debate as the show rolls on here what type of talent is actually left on this roster. But one thing that Anthony Lynn continued to preach and harp yesterday, and he was kind of echoing the sentiments of Joe Witt Jr. from his introductory presser. It is on us as coaches to get the most out of the players. He's not a rigid guy. It's not a my way or the highway type of deal here. It's a collaborative effort between all parties involved. And I hope, I hope that collaborative effort trickles down to the players in terms of when it's time to game plan, in terms of when it's time to be put in a position to succeed. I hope we're way far removed from the old square peg and a round hole situation that we've had here in years past. But that blend of personalities, the ability to get the most out of the guys, I think that's the real difference maker in the National Football League. I think that's a big part of the reason why D'Amico Ryans and the Texans were able to have so much success right away. Yes, C.J. Stroud is him. Yes, C.J. Stroud elevated every member of that football team. But the message of the leader really is what resonates. The ability to get the most out of guys, including C.J. Stroud, is what matters the most. And when I look at this assistant coaching staff and I look at Brian Johnson 
uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles. And I look at Anthony Lynn coming over from San Francisco. And I look at Ken Norton Jr. and how well-traveled he is across the National Football League. It's going to be difficult. It may not happen right away. It may not be a seamless transition. But there is going to be, from here on out, a standard in a way that they do things over in Ashburn. I believe it was our guy Scott Abraham of ABC7 uh, talking to Anthony Lynn and just seeing the, the, the lack of, I don't even want to call it a lack of emotion, but it was just a very stoic conversation. And one thing that Anthony Lynn said, and I believe this was Anthony Lynn that said this, there's a, there's a common idea within all the guys on that coaching staff that they all wanted to be here. They all wanted to be here, not just to play for Dan Quinn, but that's a huge part of it, right? You're bought into the guy that you're working for. You got to love your boss if you expect to get the most out of yourself. But that sounded crazy, didn't it? You don't have to love your boss. But you get what I'm saying here. It, it, it's a, it makes the job a whole hell of a lot easier when you like the guy that you're ultimately working for. But the one thing that all the assistants continued to say, and it gives me goosebumps and chills, honestly, man, being a young fan of this team that hasn't seen the prosperity that some of the older demographic has, I get chills when I hear coaches on this coaching staff talk about yeah, we wanted to come here to Washington to get this thing back on the right track. They understand what this once was. They understand that this franchise is so rich in tradition in history. I almost said tradistory. It's almost almost it's rich in tradistory. But you get what I'm saying, though. Three Super Bowl champions. Joe Gibbs gonna go down as a Hall of Fame coach. Numerous Hall of Fame players throughout the organization. Back in the day. When Anthony Lynn was growing up, when Ken Norton was growing up, when Tavita Pritchard and the rest of the assistants were growing up, Washington was one of the faces of the National Football League. So for these guys to be able to come back and potentially get this thing back on the right foot, I'm super excited for it. But like I said, no matter what happens here, right, ultimately in the next couple of months, I'm locked in for the ride, and I'm ready to watch these guys cook. I'm ready to watch the work actually be put in. And as we get throughout the offseason, we'll have a bunch of different conversations here surrounding quarterbacks, surrounding free agency. But one thing here recently that's been interesting to listen and read, right, is the differing opinions, whether it's Commander's Twitter, whether it's my colleagues at, at, at here on 980 or over at The Fan, the differing opinions on where this roster is right now. And I remember at season's end, and really toward the back half of the season, when everything was doom and gloom, one of the main phrases I had was, man, the cupboard is bare. It sure as hell felt like there just wasn't a lot of talent based on the way this team finished down the stretch. We know this team has holes on the roster. How creative will they be in terms of trying to fill them? Because just like quarterback, it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. You don't have to attack one position all in free agency and one position all versus the draft. It's on Adam Peters and company to finesse. Let's call it what it is. Off-season finesse 101. That's what Adam Peters and company are teaching us. That's what I hope to see here. A little ancillary note. I don't know if anyone caught this or if Sheehan mentioned it toward the back half of his show. There was some reports out there about whether or not uh, Mason Brooks, the uh, undrafted free agent standout, was going to 
actually returned to Washington. They had offered him a futures contract about a month and a half ago. He declined to sign that, but I believe it was Ben Standig of the Athletic that I saw first half. This Casimir Allen and Mason Brooks uh, re-signed by the Washington Commanders to regular contracts, I believe. So I don't think this is just a futures deal. Uh, they will be under contract uh, this fall for the Burgundy and Gold. And Casimir Allen, it's crazy. Like, he was one of the revelations in training camp. Didn't have a very good preseason. Mason Brooks was a damn war daddy when it came to those offensive line, defensive line, one-on-one drills. Uh, but he ultimately didn't really get his opportunity to crack the lineup last year. But uh, they will be back uh, in Burgundy and Gold. So they'll be a part of filling the many holes that this roster has right now. Like I mentioned, how creative will they be in terms of filling them? One way they can add talent is via free agency. $70-plus million to spend. The legal tampering period for free agency is just 18 days away. On March 11th, teams can start reaching out to guys. Our pals at ESPN Plus, my pal Matt Bowen, listed the top 50 free agent fits in the National Football League. When we come back, I'll tell you who we had as the commander's best fit uh, coming up in free agency. That's next on the Team 980. Team 980, we're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge, Wilbert Linnell Willingham, in for Chris Russell. We'll take you up to 4 o'clock before we dish things over to the DOC. Rick Doc Walker, he'll take you on your afternoon drive home. I was saying it to Matt <laughs> in the break, man. I always tease Doc about him, you know, and his minutes restriction. And we just try to we try to look out for, for, for our members that are, that are a little bit up there in age. I don't know if Doc is having some sort of hearing issue. <laughs> within the past couple of days or not. But I come in studio, I plug up my headset, and my ears immediately get blared out. I'm not a physician. <laughs> Clearly, you're not a damn physician. You need to hear. Oh, okay, that would have been rude. That would have been rude. But honestly, I could, I could give it to Doc because Doc could take it. I, I don't know what's going on with the DOC in his ears, but man, we got we, we to gotta, we gotta get him some stronger headsets or something because it was uh, – it was rough here as I plugged in my headset, man. As I mentioned, a bevy of different holes on this roster for the Washington Commanders outside of the quarterback position. And I know the draft is coming up in April, as we mentioned. It's about 63 days away from night one of the draft. 18 days away, though, from the start of free agency. And in light of that, ESPN and their insiders put together a piece where they ranked their top 50 free agents and then... Uh, they did which team they would fit on the best. And the number one free agent uh, in ESPN's class is Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs. Just for the record, I sure as hell don't expect him to hit the market at any point in time just because of how much he means to Kansas City uh, in that defense. Another guy uh, that's on this list that one of my boys tagged me or, or sent me a uh, a graphic of this cat and was like, you wouldn't be interested in him? Josh Allen, the edge rusher from the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's probably going to get franchise tag. So they're, the guys that are at the top of the free agent list normally won't be available because teams are smart and, and will use that franchise tag on them. The Commanders, though, had a couple of different team fits in the top 50 from ESPN, and I thought the first one that they went with made a whole lot of sense. They went with guard Jonah Jackson of the Detroit Lions, and Jonah Jackson 
had a little bit of injury history uh, throughout his career. I believe he was drafted back in 2020. But this past season, I mean, he was absolutely dominant when, when it comes to pass blocking. Uh, a 93.2 pass block win rate last year for the Detroit Lions. And I'm all in for, for giving money to a guy like Jonah Jackson because he comes from one of the best offensive lines in the National Football League, talking about those Detroit Lions. The only thing that gives me a little bit of pause, right, when it comes to paying money to free agent offensive linemen, if they were that darn good, if they were – if this was a clean slate and a clean evaluation, most football teams don't let good offensive linemen hit free agency because they're simply just too difficult to come across. It's hard to find elite big boys in the National Football League. And for my money, I think Jonah Jackson is one of those guys. We'll see uh, what Detroit ultimately does in free agency and whether or not uh, they throw him a lump sum of money to return back to Detroit, but based on the injury track record of Jonah Jackson, he didn't finish last year, didn't even get to play in the NFC Championship game due to a meniscus surgery that he had to have. I I don't know. The injury history concerns me a little bit for Jonah Jackson, but when you look at what position he plays, he's an offensive guard. Think about what the guard spot looks like right now for the Washington Commanders. We brought up Mason Brooks at the end of last segment talking about him being signed to a contract, so he's in the fold. Sadiq Charles, I believe, is an unrestricted free agent. Sam Cosme, they sure as hell better get a contract extension done for him before it becomes too pricey. But Washington's pretty thin at the guard spot right now. So I actually think this makes a ton of sense to go out and spend money at the guard spot. I I just, ah, I don't know. When I look at the draft class, Coming up in April, tackle is really the strong spot. Center and interior offensive lineman is good, but I don't know if you're Washington, if that's the route you want to go. You need, need, need to solidify your offensive line this summer, this offseason, by any means necessary. And when you've got 70-plus million dollars in cap space, You can go out and take a flyer on a guy like Jonah Jackson to ensure you get his services. Because I don't think it's about talent when it comes to Jonah Jackson. I think it's simply about whether or not he's able to stay healthy. That's the big thing for him. Can he stay healthy on a routine basis? Because when he is in the lineup, we gave you the pass block win rate. He's one of the best guards in the National Football League. That was free agent number 22 on ESPN's top 50 free agent list. They had... Jonah Jackson and his best fit being with the Washington Commanders. This next best team fit really caught me by surprise when it when you think about the position that this cat plays. Number 25, the best, the 25th ranked free agent in ESPN's top 50 free agents for 2024 is Kyle Duggar, formerly of the New England Patriots. And if you know a little bit about Kyle Duggar, a guy that's got the position flex that I know a lot of teams covet, specifically Dan Quinn. Uh, in this defense that he's going to try to run here in Washington. Kyle Duggar's a guy that can line up in the slot. He's physical enough that he can play in the box and and act as a safety linebacker hybrid for you. The only thing that confuses me about throwing the bag at Kyle Duggar is if you watch the tape, if you're going to throw the bag at Kyle Duggar, why not just re-sign a guy like Cameron Curl? 
My thing is this when it comes to the secondary this offseason in Washington, and I've seen some of you all's mock drafts out there. Love to see you all participating in the exercise. I don't think Washington is going to spend any premier capital in the secondary this offseason. Why would they do it? You just spent your two richest draft picks last year at defensive back. You got Cameron Curl, who's due an extension, and you probably should resign him. You got Derek Forrest coming back healthy. Benjamin St. Juice coming back healthy. I'm excited to see what he could potentially be under Joe Witt and this defensive coaching staff. But to me, despite all the shortcomings that there were last year in the secondary, in terms of position of need and wanting to add to that unit, it'd be pretty much toward the bottom of my list. I don't think that is a pressing need uh, for this group right now when it comes to needs on the Washington Commanders. The number three free agent fit that ESPN had for Washington, a little bit more interesting. He was free agent number 46, running back from the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, Cowboy running back. Why would you want that? Tony Pollard, another Memphis running back. Washington has one Memphis running back that's currently a free agent, Antonio Gibson. We don't really know what's going to ultimately happen with Gibby and whether or not he'll be re-signed. If they choose not to re-sign Antonio Gibson, I would yank my hair out. Be quiet, Matt. I know I have a do-rag on. I don't have a lot of hair. I would yank my hair out if Washington decided to spend free agent money at the running back position. Have we not learned from anything? Have we not learned from some of the other teams in the National Football League? I don't think Washington is close enough to being a contender to go out and spend money on the running back position. Just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But Matt Bowen of ESPN had Tony Pollard's best team fit as the Washington Commanders uh, coming up here in free agency. Tony Pollard was decent last year in Dallas, but you got to see that he really isn't a full-time back and he's better off suited in a role where he can split carries with a guy. So I, I guess I like the fit here potentially in Washington with him splitting carries with Antonio Gibson and Chris Rodriguez. But when you look at the, the bevy of different holes across Washington's roster, I think it'd be kind of crazy here for them to go out and spend free agent money at the running back position. We'll start looking at this thing big picture, though. We're all caught up in the quarterback position. That's all we care about in terms of the offseason. When we come back, I want to look at Washington's biggest offseason needs outside of the quarterback position. Offensive line, tight end, tackle, you name it. When we get back, I'll give you Washington's top needs outside of the quarterback position next here on the Team 980. But first, trending alert. All right, we mentioned it at the top of the show. OV in the Caps back on the ice tonight. They'll start a two-game road trip against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That one uh, set to face off at 7 p.m. We got pregame coverage starting at 6.45 over on our sister station, 106.7. The fan, the Caps roommate at Cap One Arena. The Washington Wizards, they're back in action tonight, fresh off of the All-Star break in Denver tonight, taking on Nikola Jokic in the Denver Nuggets. Late start because it's a West Coast game. Uh, pre-game coverage gets going at 845 right here on the Team 980 with the radio party. Dave Johnson and Glenn Consor get you geared up for tip-off starting at 9 o'clock. Make sure you keep it locked right here on the Team 980 all day long. Coming up at about 320, Wizards forward Denny Avdia getting ready to join the program ahead of their return from All-Star break. And that's what's trending.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Matty Ice coming back with some pressure. Team 980, we're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham. Sitting in for the rooster, Chris Russell. We'll take you up to 4 o'clock before we hand things over to the professor. The DOC coming up. He'll take you on your afternoon drive home. As we mentioned, programming note, we'll have a couple of guests. Stop by the program before we get out of here. Top of the 2 o'clock hour, Michael Phillips, uh, host of MP on the Mic, weekdays uh, 10 to noon on our sister station, 910 The Fan AM in Richmond. He's set to join us to talk all things burgundy and gold and what he thinks are the biggest needs for the commanders outside of the quarterback position. Top of the 3 o'clock hour, we'll talk all things NFL draft when Charlie Campbell, draft analyst for WalterFootball.com, uh, joins us as well. So a lot of things to get through before we get out of here. Right now, though, I want to talk about offseason needs for the commanders outside of the quarterback position. And as I said to start the show, it's such a polarizing conversation I've come to realize here. I know quarterback is obviously super polarizing, but when it comes to needs on this commander's roster and what holes they ultimately have outside a quarterback, I think there's a bunch of different opinions out there in command land on the old Twitter app and on, on social media and things of that nature. Beep, beep. I think, I think us here locally feel like it's more of a situation. I know me and Russell have, have you know, tossed this back and forth a bunch as well. It's hard for me to know what they have based on how horrendous the coaching was last year. And look at Colin Coward, Matt, just completely distracting me. Look at his bold prediction. He's got the Commanders winning the NFC East next year. And that hot and spicy. But no, in order for them to win the NFC East, they got to fill the holes that they have on this roster. And my big thing is how many holes do they actually have? Right? 
We know quarterback is obviously a massive one. They'll solve that somehow this offseason. If I had to go my next biggest hole and my next biggest need outside of the quarterback position, I'd probably go edge rusher. There was no pass rushing presence last season after Montez Sweat and Chase Young uh, were traded away at the deadline. And I love me some K.J. Henry. I thought he did a phenomenal job. I'm excited to see what he can do in DQ's defense and how they can move him around because I think he's got inside-outside pass rush versatility. But K.J. Henry and Andre Jones are the only edge rushers under contract next year, I believe. F.A. Obata uh, is a free agent. Casey Tuhill a free agent, James Smith-Williams, a free agent. So Washington's going to have to revamp uh, that edge rusher room right now. That is that is massive, massive for this team to do this offseason. Two of the most important positions in the sport, quarterback and the guy that affects the quarterback the most, that's edge rusher. So if you're Washington here, and I saw, I don't know if it was Big Doug's mock draft or Craig Hoffman's mock draft. I think it was Big Doug's mock draft. He mocked a edge rusher to Washington at pick number 36. And I think Craig had did the same thing because he snarkily tweeted at me and was like, oh, look at my mock draft. But to me, that'd be malpractice. To go edge rusher at pick number 36, to spend any type of high premium on edge rusher in the draft just wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me when you consider the 2024 edge class in the NFL when it comes to free agency. There are a lot of good names when it comes to the edge defender market in free agency. Now, Washington, as we know, 70-plus million dollars in cap space. So if they want to, edge is a premium position. So if you want to get the best, you got to spend that bag. They have the resources and the capital to do that. I just don't know if that makes the most sense. Now, the top edge guys on the market in free agency are Josh Allen of the Jaguars, Brian Burns of the Panthers, and Daniil Hunter of the Minnesota Vikings. Those are your top three. The top two guys I mentioned, Allen and Burns, I fully expect Jacksonville to either work out a long-term extension with Josh or to franchise tag him, and I expect the same situation for Brian Burns in Carolina. Daniil Hunter's an interesting name to me. Daniil Hunter's a very interesting name to me. He gets after the quarterback. He's got... Good numbers. He was tied for fourth in the National Football League last year with 18 sacks, ladies and gentlemen. He was third in the NFL and forced fumbles uh, at with four. So this is a guy that impacts the quarterback, and he did it on a defense last year in Minnesota that was super aggressive when it comes to blitzing. So maybe he got helped out a little bit with getting a couple of more free rushes and one-on-one opportunities strictly based off of the scheme. But when you look at some of the pass rush grades here, for, for Daniil Hunter last year, 83.8 pass rush grade, 88.6 true pass set uh, pass rush grade, and then a pass rush win rate of 15.8. Now, the run defense, a little bit less than to be desired. He's a little bit of a lighter defensive end. But if you're going to go out and try to spend middle-of-the-market money at edge rusher, I think a guy like Daniil Hunter from Minnesota is someone who perfectly fits the bill. One guy that I continue to see matched up with Washington when it comes to best free agent fits, and I believe this was from, who was it? I'm blanking on the name. 
are guys at Pro Football Focus. There is Trevor Sikama, Brad Spielberg, I'm sorry, uh, heads their research and development over there at, at Pro Football Focus. And he had Bryce Huff as a perfect fit for the Washington Commanders uh, when it comes to when it comes to edge rushers and free agency. And Bryce Huff, it, purely based on the pass rush win rate numbers, I mean, it's one of the best edge rushers in football the past two years. It's about how he handles a role where he's playing a majority of the snaps. Because the one thing about him in New York is I'm not sure that he was a three-down defensive end. A little bit lighter in the britches. Want to see him be able to play the run a little bit better. But when you're looking in terms of just pure pass rush juice, I I think Bryce Huff has got all the tools in America. He can bend. He's twitched up off the edge. He's explosive. I think he'd be a damn good fit, but you would have to throw a pretty significant bag at him uh, uh, to acquire his services. So a couple of more numbers from Bryce Huff last year. Ten sacks, not a whole lot, but at 6'3", 255, he looks a hell of a lot smaller than that. I'm honestly surprised that that's his real measurables. But like I said, he's just a little bit of a lighter edge rusher and, and isn't really a complete defensive end, in my opinion. I worry about his ability to set the edge. One other edge rusher that really gets my attention and someone that I think probably ends up here is Dorrance Armstrong of the Dallas Cowboys. He's got a familiarity with the scheme. Dan Quinn knows who he is. And Dorrance Armstrong has been pretty damn good for the Dallas Cowboys, man. He recorded pressure rates above 11% in each of the last three seasons. That's huge. The thing I love about Armstrong, we talked about it uh, when it comes to K.J. Henry. I think Dorrance Armstrong has that inside-outside pass rush versatility. He had nine sacks last year. Nine sacks last year. And he's not a guy that is an every-down player for Dallas. So for him to have that type of production in, I don't want to call it limited action, but he's not a full-time starter, I think it's super impressive. And if he can eventually elevate into that role of being a full-time edge rusher, I think we'll see the production uh, take a huge dump forward. Talking right now about the biggest offseason needs for the Washington Commanders outside of the quarterback position. The biggest one for me, I would have to say, is edge rusher. And we just listed out a bunch of different options in free agency when it comes to the edge rusher spot. That's the way that they should be addressing edge. If it's, you know, if I had to do it, if I was the GM here in Washington, I don't think the edge rusher class in the draft is that darn good. I think there's, you know, much more depth at offensive tackle and uh, center and guard where, where I'd rather them spend those draft picks at. But when it comes to edge rusher, I mean, they have Dorrance Armstrong rated as their 13th best edge rusher in the free agent class. You get past him, there are names like Mike Dana, Carl Lawson, Brandon Graham. You name it, veteran pass rushers that can come in here right away and make an impact. A.J. Epinenza from Buffalo, Derek Barnett from Philadelphia in Houston. Tyquan Lewis from Indianapolis. There are dudes out there uh, that can come in here and fill Washington's edge rush spot. And, and the way DQ deployed the edge rushers in Dallas, I think it's more likely to be a pass rush by committee situation here in Washington where maybe we see them sign, you know, two veterans on the market and then maybe they draft someone late. That along with the guys they have in-house, you should uh, be able to generate a pretty decent pass rush off of the edge. One thing that'll help Washington generate pass rush, period, is John Allen and Deron Payne getting back to playing at the Pro Bowl level we know that they're capable of. So that's going to be huge 
uh, if they are going to take a step forward next year when it comes to this defense. I want to take your calls, though. 301-230-0980 is the number on the Ace Law listener line. If you're in a wreck, Ace Law helps you get a check. Call 8888-ACE-LAW. We know quarterback is the consensus biggest need for the Washington Commanders this offseason. When we come back, I want to take your calls on the biggest offseason needs for the Commanders outside of the quarterback position. That's next on the Team 980. Three zero one two three zero zero nine eighty is the number on the Ace Law Lister line. If you're interact, Ace Law will help you get a check. Call eighty eight eighty eight Ace Law. Going out to the phones for your thoughts on the biggest offseason needs for the Washington Commanders outside of the quarterback position. I know we're going to spend a bunch of time here over the next couple of months dissecting and picking apart the many different ways they can attack quarterback, but I think. The offseason needs outside of the quarterback position are just as important. My number one need outside of quarterback, and this is probably going to shock a lot of people, is edge rusher. And I, and I, I, I you know, teetered back and forth between edge rusher and offensive tackle because obviously we know how important the offensive line is. But when you look, when you look at what this team did defensively last year. After the trade deadline, after Montez Sweat and Chase Young were were shipped off for, for a pack of gum, in Chase Young's case, um, the pass rush really lacked. And it's so hard to play defense in the National Football League. It's so hard to be a defensive back in the National Football League when you're not getting help up front from your big guys. When the quarterback has all day to sit back there and dissect the defense, it's hard as hell for a guy like Benjamin St. Juice. It's hard as hell for a guy like Emmanuel Forbes. So if they could get the pass rush back formidable, uh, I think that would do dividends for this team. And if we're just tapping in, I see some people out there are mocking in their mock drafts, I might add, uh, mocking a edge rusher to Washington with their two second-round picks or with one of their two second-round picks, talking about 36 and 40. If Washington remains with picks 36 and 40 and they go edge rusher with either of those two picks, I would be beside myself. I would lose my GD mind. I swear I would. There is nothing to me that makes sense. There's nothing you can just there's nothing you can do to justify, in my opinion, Washington taking an edge that early. When you think about the free agent edge rush class, and we've went through a number a number of different names here uh, via Pro Football Focus's list. They've got their top 25 edge rushers listed. You got $70 million in cap space to spend. Edge rusher is one of the strengths of free agency. I think they'd be crazy to not go that route uh, when it comes to free agency. My second biggest need, as I just teased to you, offensive tackle, I think, uh, is a big-time need for Washington. I'm of the mindset, and people are you know, going to maybe say I'm crazy for this. I think you may be able to get away with one more year of Charles Leno Jr. as your left tackle if you choose uh, to go elsewhere in the draft and in free agency. I don't think he was that bad. Uh, but I I just, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know how ultimately they'll be able to solve the offensive tackle position because for me, it goes either one of two ways at the top of the draft. In my opinion, right? 
if I'm Adam Peters and company, I'm either doing whatever it takes to go up and get Caleb Williams at the top of the draft, or I'm trading out of that number two spot. And I did a mock trade scenario yesterday uh, on overtime where I had them trading back with the Las Vegas Raiders. And in that scenario, Washington would end up with seven picks within the top 100, plenty of additional capital uh, to address the tackle spot. They would go back from pick number two to pick number 13. And I think at that point in time, you should be able to draft a starting tackle right there. The last mock draft that I saw from Daniel Jeremiah, 10 offensive tackles in the first round. And I still think, even if you get guys in round two and round three, they're still going to be starting caliber players because that position is probably the biggest strength of the entire 2024 NFL draft. I want to go out to the phone still. 301-230-0980 is the number on the Ace Law Lister lines. I want to get your biggest offseason needs for the Washington Commanders outside of the quarterback position. Let's go to Lap. DC, what's going on, Lap? Hey, what's up, youngers and Charles? What's going hey, on, man? Hey, man. Um, yeah, we, we definitely need a pass rush, man. We can't get to the quarterback. I mean, I know everybody's saying about the offensive line. The offensive line is not that bad. You got quarterbacks holding the ball. You know defenses are trying to get to you, man. Some mental clock needs to be off in your head when you uh, – you know, playing quarterback. So, I and, and like I said, I don't know uh, if you remember Jason Campbell, but mm-hmm. offensive line ain't as bad as when Jason Campbell was playing. So, I, <laughs> I'm going to hear that nonsense because we always bring that up. Oh, it's the offensive line. It's always offensive line and linebackers. Was it it's always what, that every season? I think Jason well, Campbell we don't was lined do up. to address it. Was lined up behind Stephon Heyer at left tackle, bro. I, I, I remember. It was a horrible yeah. offensive line with Jason Campbell. Yeah. Too. Lap, I appreciate yeah, the sure. call as always, my man. 301-230. Right, yes, bro. sir. 301-230-0980 is the number. What are your top offseason needs for the commanders outside of the quarterback position? My top two are edge rusher and offensive tackle. If I had to give you a third, this may seem like a position of premium for some of you. I think this team needs to address wide receiver for sure. And I think all of that's going to depend on whether or not they bring Curtis Samuel back into the fold. And for my money, if it was me, I would for damn sure uh, be re-signing or making an effort to resign Curtis Samuel as long as he doesn't try to break the bank on you. I think he was phenomenal last year. I saw this graphic getting ready for the show of the free agent wide receivers, Curtis Samuel, the best or the second best behind only Mike Evans uh, when it comes to getting open versus man-to-man coverage. So, your eyes weren't fooling you last year when it felt like Curtis was the only guy being able to get open. That uh, was damn real. Let's go to Kevin out in Virginia. What's going on, Kevin? How you doing? Uh, my two areas of need are cornerback and tight end. We could not cover anybody at the end of last season. I don't know if, who was watching the games, but Fuller was bad. Emmanuel Forbes is not the answer, I don't think. Kevin, our safeties are fine, but we had we didn't we need a shutdown quarterback. I mean, to to shut down their best receiver, and we don't have one. And we also need a tight end. If you look at the the last four teams in the playoffs, they all had great tight ends that those quarterbacks could go to in crucial situations. And we just have been messing around with that position for years. I don't know who would we would get, but we need to look at that. And, that's the key to the offense, in my opinion. you got to have a tight end that's, that's at a high level and can make those catches on third down and six, you know? I hear you. don't you. have that. 
those are the two areas I think are, are most in need. Kevin, I don't know if you're just now tapping into the show. I would absolutely – I'd bang my head against the wall if they drafted a corner early or, or spent big money on a corner in free agency. Let me take that back. If they can go out and throw a bag at LeJarrius Sneed or, or a true, legit shutdown number one corner like you're saying, I'd be fine with it. But when you think about all the capital that they've spent on the secondary here in the past couple of years, last year your two richest picks were at cornerback. So I'm like, maybe the reason yeah. the secondary struggled so bad last year down the stretch, Kevin, was because what I mentioned, there was no pass rusher having to cover for longer. They weren't diverse in their blitz schemes and disguising things. So I really feel like this what, what, coaching staff is going to elevate everyone in the secondary. What about Stephon Gilmore? Is he too old? Or See, it's interesting, right? I'm like, if, I'm like, if you're going to go with Stephon Gilmore, Kevin, why not just bring back Kendall Fuller? He's younger and is a veteran type of corner that plays very similarly to, to Stephon Gilmore. Because so. I saw his number too much of him chasing wide receivers <laughs> that were scoring. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, I appreciate the call as always, my man. 301-230-0980 is the number. Yeah, I, I don't know if I got to repeat this, but, like, uh-uh. Uh-uh. I can't go corner high. I can spend big-time money on it at free agency as I'm pulling back up. Uh, ESPN's top free agent list, the corner, the only the only capital I'd be spending, the only resources that I'd be spending on the secondary would realistically be in free agency because I think that's where you can get bang for your buck, so to speak. And I heard Chris Russell, I believe it was yesterday or a couple of days ago, talking about Antoine Winfield and not wanting to pay big-time money to him at the safety spot. I don't think he's going to be available. He probably gets franchise tagged uh, by Tampa Bay. But when you look at the top free agent corners on the market, Kenny Moore from Indianapolis, not really a big fan of his. He's more of a true slot guy. Um, Sean Murphy bunting from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or excuse me, from the Tennessee Titans. I'm not sure, you know, which way he's going to go. He signed a one-year deal last year, um, sort, of a, sort of a prove-it deal last year with the Titans. Didn't really play all that well, so I'm not sure – what type of money he's going to command, but he's the type of dude that you may be able to get on the cheap potentially. I just, I don't know, man. LeJarrius Sneed comes in as the 11th ranked uh, free agent in ESPN's top 50 free agents. They've got his best fit as the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, they're going to be major competition when it comes to adding pieces to your secondary and specifically at corner because their holes mirror the holes that Washington has uh, when it comes to the defensive side of the football. Jalen Johnson out of Chicago was another guy at the cornerback position that I wouldn't mind going out and spending some good money on. 301-230-0980 is the number. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, more of your calls on the biggest free agent needs for the Washington Commanders outside of the quarterback position. That's next on the Team 980. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
top of the two o'clock hour here in our nation's capital. You're tapped in to the Chris Russell Show here on the Team 980. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, sitting in for Chris Russell. Take you up to four o'clock before we hand things over to the DOC, Rick Doc Walker. If you're on the phone line, stay there. We'll continue to take your calls after this special guest that we got coming up, Michael Phillips. The host of MP on the Mic Wednesdays, 10 to noon, over on our sister station, 910 The Fan AM in Richmond. Mike, what's going on, my man? How are you? Yeah, great to be talking to you. Always good to talk ball with you, my friend. It feels like, Mike, on your show, on my show, on everyone's show, quarterback, when it comes to the Washington Commanders, that's what's dominating the conversation right now. Before we brought you on, Mike, we were talking about the biggest offseason needs for the Commanders outside of the quarterback position. And Mm. I feel like I had a little bit of a spicy take here. One of the callers called in and got on my case, man. He said, how can a cornerback not be considered a big offseason need for the Washington Commanders? And I said, you got to get pass rush solved first, right? Well, yeah, you know, Kendall Fuller, uh, I I think if you lock him up, if you keep him around, you got him and St. Juice and, I think we're all assuming they'll figure out Cam Curl back there at safety. That gives you a basis, a starting point, right? You you don't have that at pass rush. You're yeah. starting at zero there, basically. K.J. Henry looked good, but if you were to tell me K.J. Henry is your plan right now at pass rush, I'd say you, you need more of a plan. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's not going to cut it, just uh, K.J. Henry and spare parts. So, yeah, yeah. There, there's definitely more of an immediate need there. I'm probably going trenches on both sides. Um Tight end for me yeah, uh, for sure. is a big one. I don't know that there's anybody on this roster who you can say, I want that guy in there 50 snaps a game at tight end for 17 weeks. Uh, and that's an important position right now in the NFL. So are we saying that the off seasons of trying to hype up Cole Turner and guys like Armani Rogers are over? Are you saying you want them to really go out and try to address the tight end position for real this year, huh? Yeah, right. They've got three good tight ends on the roster. Like I use the word good, meaning NFL caliber. I think Cole Turner's an NFL caliber tight end. Yeah. Uh, I think Armani Rogers has that potential as well. And I think Logan Thomas has proven it. I know he gets a lot of flack, mm-hmm. but I, I do think that Logan Thomas, you can put him in there and he plays at an NFL caliber level. I just don't think any of the three are guys who lift your offense, yeah. right? You talk about the Kittles of the world and the Kelseys, obviously, those are guys who, because of their versatility, because of everything right. they can do, they lift your offense. They make it better. Uh, I don't see that in any of those guys. I'm, I'm happy to pump the Cole Turner tires. Uh, I think they might be a little overinflated, though, after the last <laughs> couple of years. That is well put, my friend. I think I, I agree with you a little bit about tight end and it being an, an important position in need. Just based on how the, the members on offense and this coaching staff have used tight end in the past, we know Brian Johnson and what tight end is meant to the Philadelphia Eagles. The tight end was pretty well used in Cliff Kingsbury's offense in Arizona, so uh, definitely expect them to try to add a uh, more more diverse receiver at that position. When you look at some of the other problem spots on the roster, Mike, which positions would you be more inclined to to settle in the draft versus free agency? And I know we'll get a little bit of a hint as to what they'll do in the draft because free agency comes up first. But for me, I think it was Craig Hoffman I saw. Mike had mocked an edge rusher to Washington at pick number 36. When you look at how deep this edge rush class is in free agency, would you be willing to go spend high draft capital on that spot? 
Yeah, I would if, you, if you've got a guy you like because those are the those are the positions who become superstars, right? So if I'm looking at what do I want to get in free agency versus what do I want to get in the draft, let's talk about value, right? You get value when you get a really good rookie pass rusher because that, that's four years where you're not paying right. the bills after that at a high level. You know, you can go get safeties and corners and free agency and, and you're not paying the same premium that you do right now for a great pass rusher. And, and also – there's just more guys available. There's just more guys out there. Uh, if you have a good pass rusher, you're not letting him out of the building, you know, unless you've got a situation like, like Montez Sweat was this year, essentially, where, you know, they're essentially trying to move everything out for, for the new regime. That doesn't happen often that a guy like that's even available. And right. the Bears, of course, lock him up. He won't even make it to free agency this year. Uh, so, so it's important to get talent at that position, get it young, develop it keep it inside the building maybe even more so than other positions quarterbacks obviously the king of that example like quarterbacks available on the open market over the last few years like arguably the best one was Aaron Rodgers and I mean I think that speaks for itself (laughs) certainly certainly so ESPN we were we were uh tossing this around before we had John as well Mike ESPN did their top 50 uh free agent fits uh, in coming up here in the 2024 free agent class, they mocked Tony Pollard coming to the Washington Commanders. How do you think Washington ultimately chooses to address the running back position this offseason? Because I'm of the mentality, Mike, I only want contenders going out and spending premium money or draft capital on a running back. But with the state of Washington's running back room, could you see them bringing in potentially another Memphis Tiger? Yeah, and you know, right with uh, with offensive line where it's at as well. Are you yeah. really setting those guys up to succeed when they come in here? It's an easy thing to say on the radio. It's a hard thing to do. I'd, I'd have offensive linemen first, second, and third on my free agent <laughs> wish list depth chart. Go find me the best guys available. Pay the money it takes to get them here, right? Because you you need that immediate boost. If, if you draft an offensive lineman out, outside of Joe Alt, obviously, mm-hmm. he's not going to be ready year one. He's not going to give you 17 good NFL games in year one. You're going to develop them. You're looking at a year two situation. Well, if they draft a quarterback, you know, number two, uh, we're going to want to see that guy right away, and they're going to want to see that guy right away. Uh, I think to set them up for success is very important here, and I think the only way you can do that is free agency. I don't think you can do that through the drafted offensive line with the talent that's going to be available the second time you come on the board and the second time you pick. So that that's hugely important to me, way more so than running back. Uh, I, I certainly I, – I'd probably half agree with you, mm-hmm. uh, only contending teams. I would say unless you can find a Christian McCaffrey-style mm-hmm. like guy who you know is going to put you over the top, I'd even be hesitant if I was a contending team to spend at that position. Cliff Kingsbury isn't here to run the ball. Uh, <laughs> you know, these guys aren't here to run the ball. Uh, these guys are here to build a modern passing offense, and I think that's where the resources need to go accordingly. And you've got Brian Robinson. I love Brian Robinson. I was about to say, yeah, I, I think for my money, he was probably Washington's best offensive player last year. Uh, Anthony Lynn spoke a little bit yesterday uh, about Brian Robinson and how excited he is to get to coach him. He scouted him heavy coming out of Alabama. What is kind of your prediction for what this offense is going to look like, Mike? We got a lot of different chefs in the kitchen, uh, all coming from pretty diverse offensive backgrounds. The one commonality, though, Mike, it seems like, is that all of the assistants on Washington's offensive coaching staff have worked with a mobile quarterback in the past. 
How do you think that ultimately influences things? Yeah, I just I, I'll give my caveat here that I give when we have this discussion. I think Drake May is a mobile quarterback, or at Ooh. least mobile enough to play in the NFL, right? He's not Jaden Daniels. Right, of course. Jaden Daniels is in class by himself. He's probably not Caleb Williams in terms of mobility. He can get out and move and still deliver a good ball when he needs to. Um, and, and that's what you're talking about when you're talking about mobile quarterbacks, right? When the pocket right. collapses, can they move? Can they make a play? And he didn't have to do that a lot at North Carolina, but there's enough, you know, there's enough tape there to suggest he's a guy who can slide and move when he can. Look, even Sam Howell's a guy, you know, Sam, nobody's going to call Sam Howell a mobile quarterback, of course, but Sam Howell could get out and move when right. he needs to. I, I just think increasingly you have to. That's the entry-level requirement to be an NFL quarterback now. I don't think we're going to see a lot of true pocket passers coming out. You know, J.J. McCarthy's maybe the only guy I'd have fears <laughs> on about that in, in terms of, like, can he slide the pocket, move, do what he needs to do on the run. Um, you know, n- not talking Lamar style, but just the basics, just the right. basics of can you move the pocket, can you get outside. Uh, I agree. This is a wild staff, right, Linnell? Like, yeah. you know, you, you've got a ton of experience. You've got a ton of head coaching experience. You've got a ton of interesting styles that are all going to mesh together. Uh, your, your dream here, if you're Dan Quinn, is they all get in a room, you know, and become the 13 Redskins, right, where all those, <laughs> all those young guys came together and reinvented football. Your nightmare scenario is they they all you know fight with each other all year over what's best, and it ends with a lot of finger pointing. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's going to be the fun of this season. Is what will they cook up in their kitchen? You know, you got a lot of talented chefs back there. I'd be very curious. Uh, you know, that that's a long way of saying I don't have an answer here, but I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to see what the answer is. For sure, and I don't know if we'll get to play this audio a little bit later in the show or maybe I'll save it for tomorrow, but Benjamin Solak of The Ringer, I know you're pretty familiar with his mm-hmm. work, probably yep. absolutely crushed Washington's offensive coaching staff. Uh, him and Matt Harmon on their podcast yesterday went went off the top rope on what Washington uh, has, and it all started with Cliff Kingsbury. We know his track record and how things ended in Arizona and the, I don't know if I want to call it the rumor, but the, the trend of his offenses in Arizona kind of tailing off towards season's end. Do you have any reservations about Cliff Kingsbury's ability to, you know, operate and run in modern NFL offense? Yeah, you swing by Richmond 10 to noon on a 9-10 the mm-hmm. fan. It's, uh, you're you're going to get a lot of that. I, I wasn't wild about the Kingsbury hire in the moment, and I can't say I've come around on it since he's, He's a one-trick pony, right? The trick is tempo. He uses tempo to to trick defenses, um, to you know, to disguise his looks, to catch defenses off guard, and that's fantastic. He does it really, really well. By the way, that sounds dismissive. He's one of the best to ever do it in terms of using tempo to run a great offense. You can do that in college for 12 games, sneak it by people. The scouting rules are different. The tape rules are different. You can do that for 12 games in college. You can't do that for a 17-game NFL season, right? You've got to right. innovate. You've got to adapt as the season goes on. The track record here is he's never done that. Now, doesn't mean he'll never be able to do that, right? That's that's the thing. You, you can crush him for that, and, and mm-hmm. I have crushed him for that. You leave open the possibility he knows his flaw, right? right. Like we're not, we're not discussing stuff he doesn't know. Um, but does he have that gear? Can he find that gear? We haven't seen it at any point in his coaching career. That's the fear to me. Doesn't mean it's not there. Doesn't right. mean he can't find it. But our track record here is a full zero in, in terms of him 
you know, being able to innovate late in the season and, and, and evolve and, and stay ahead of defenses. Mike, what I'm about to ask you next is one of these questions I'd probably ask you after a hot training camp practice when we're just shooting the stuff. <laughs> we keep hearing all this talk about how collaborative everything's supposed to be over in Ashburn. When it comes to this quarterback decision with a defensive-minded head coach, how much say-so should he have in the quarterback decision, man? Well, what I, what I like about Adam Peters is he's the man, and he's clearly he the man. He's clearly <laughs> got all the authority, but he doesn't like he doesn't run around flaunting it, right? He's yeah. not you know walking around. I'm the man, you know, puff, puffing up his chest every chance he gets. He's yeah. talking about how he wants to involve everybody. He wants to get everybody's opinion. And uh, our guy Scott Abraham did an interview with Tavita Pritchard yesterday. Tavita said, you know, they they want my input into into the quarterbacks and into the draft, and, and that's awesome. Right. Uh, at the end of the day is going to be his handwriting on the card at number two, Adam Peters. It's going to be his handwriting on the card that they walk up to the commissioner. It's going to be his pick. This is this is the sink or swim moment for him. Uh, I love that he's soliciting input. I love that he's hearing from a lot of different voices. Um, but ultimately, and, and this is kind of the, the crappy part for him, like you'd, you'd really like to have the number two pick in like year two as a general manager. And that's like, what I'm saying. Yeah. Get a year to get your feet under you, right. get your scouting staff, kick the tires on everybody. Because I promise you in San Francisco, they they never did any hypothetical exercises last year. <laughs> what if we have the number two draft pick? That was, that was never entertained right. in, in their meeting. Their scouts were not told to, to go pursue that. That's the, that's the issue. That's the problem here, right? Is it, he's coming in and he's making a, you know, era-defining decision here <laughs> with, without having fully – Caught the ground under him, uh, but as we say, life's not fair. Life is not fair at all, and ultimately, Mike, I think you laid it out beautifully, and I'm going to talk about this in more detail when we let you go. I think just based on the track record of Adam Peters leading the draft in San Francisco, and I could just be way off my rocker with this, but I think uh, trading up to get the best quarterback that you want or trading back is more likely than just staying put at two for some of the reasons you mentioned, I feel like. But I don't I don't know ultimately which way this thing will go. But you continue to hear him talk about how important it is to build through the draft and then supplementing the rest of the roster through free agency. That screams trade back to me. Yeah, that's spicy. That'll get you to 4 o'clock right there now. Don't you worry. <laughs> don't you worry about that. Um here, here's my here's my message to the fans. Um, if they trade down, I don't know that they're trading down for more picks this year. I think they're trading out to future years, right? And this mm. this is a little bit of the Josh Harris thing too. Okay. I don't think he's afraid to say, can we use this too? And can we get first rounders in 25 and 26? Uh, I mean, even in 27, right? Yeah. Can can you stretch it? Can you set yourself up for long term potential, long term success? I mean, the the dream is to do what the Bears did, right? Right. To, to to flip the pick and still end up right back at the top next year. Now that that requires a lot of luck as well as as skill. But I don't think this is even about accumulating picks this year. I think Adam Peters is not afraid at all to play a four year, five year long game as he's moving these picks, doing the Belichick, always trying to stay a year ahead of everybody else who, who's clamoring to get into this year's draft. I've been dibbling and dabbling in the mock trade market. Michael Phillips, just a dangerous thing to do, by the way. <laughs> so I, I had Washington going 11 spots back with the Las Vegas Raiders, and I tried to do something that I thought made sense. Antonio Pierce was on that coaching staff at Arizona State when Jaden Daniels was there. 
So I feel like they know exactly what he is, and maybe they have an affinity for him, and they want to go up and get their guy. In that scenario, Washington would get back pick number 13, pick number 44, pick number 77, a 2025 first, a 2025 second, and a 2026 first. Does that sound too rich, or am I do, do I need to calm it down a little bit? It feels like when you're moving up 11 spots, Mike, you got to give up the premium. Yeah, what, what I love about that, right, is you're, you're trying to find the sucker in the room. And <laughs> what I really love about that is for, for 20 years, we were the suckers in the room, right? right? You know, every, everybody's trying to trade with, with Dan Snyder. Uh, you know, now, now you got to find your guy. The Bears found him in David Tepper. Uh, you know, maybe it's the haircut clouding my judgment, but I, I think you could do a lot worse than, than picking Mark Davis and shooting your shot there. I was about to say, man, that is uh... – that's spicy, Mike. Look, uh, I guess before we, get, before we get you out of here, my man, do, do you have a preference as to which way you want them to go? We always ask, like, what we think they're going to do. I, I want Michael Phillips' preference. If you had it your way, if it was a commander's draft burger king, Mike Phillips, what would you want? Yeah, I'd turn in the card for Jaden Daniels. Look, I'm, I'm a sucker for a high ceiling, and I, <laughs> I agree with the people who tell you Drake May's more ready right now, and, and the floor's probably a lot higher there, right? With Drake May, you know what you're getting. You're getting a guy who's going to start in this league for a number of years. Uh, I'm not trading up for Caleb Williams. That's too much to pay. you got too many other holes. I'm not playing that game. Uh, I'm not trading back because I think this is a good chance to get a franchise quarterback. Uh, I'm a sucker for a high ceiling. I'm turning in the card for Jane Daniels. It might work. It might not work. Um, but I think if it works, it would be pretty spectacular. Yes, it would, my friend. I appreciate you giving us some time, as always, my man. We'll do it again soon. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Yes, sir. That is Michael Phillips, ladies and gentlemen, the Prince of Bits or the King of Bits, or however he wants to call himself when it comes to bits. He's a funny dude. Uh, make sure you tap into MP on the Mike weekdays, 10 to noon on 910 The Fan AM in Richmond, and give Mike a follow on the old X app at Michael P. In RVA. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll run through more of your calls. 301 230 The call topic at hand. What is the biggest offseason need for the commanders outside of the quarterback position? We'll take your calls on that. Plus, our pal Ben Standing of the Athletic just dropped another mock draft. We'll tell you who he projected to Washington next here on the Team 980. It's going to be Rack City for the Washington Commanders and free agency. 70 plus million dollars to spend to try to fill all of the different holes on this Washington Commanders roster. We're taking your calls on it. What are the biggest holes on this roster outside of the quarterback position? 301 230 0980 is the number here on the team 980. Linnell Willingham in for Chris Russell. We'll take you up to 4 o'clock before handing things over to the DOC. Rick Doc Walker in about a half hour or so. We'll talk all things NFL draft when our pal Charlie Campbell of altofootball.com is set to join us. One of the best uh, draft sites in America when it comes to getting ready and getting you ready for draft season. He's talked to insiders and general managers and scouts all throughout the National Football League to put their detailed reports together. So, We'll talk all things NFL draft with Charlie Campbell coming up at 3 o'clock. 3.20, Denny Avdia set to join the program. Fresh off of his 43-point performance last week uh, against the New Orleans Pelicans. The Wizards back in action tonight uh, on the road against the Denver Nuggets. So we'll catch up with Denny 
uh, before their big-time return from All-Star break a little bit later on tonight. 301-230-0980 is the number. What are your biggest off-season needs for the commanders outside of the quarterback position? I listed a couple of for you. I think edge rusher is a huge position to need for him. I think offensive tackle is going to be a huge position to need. One position to need that I started to go into, but we didn't talk about it in detail. I really feel like I really feel like wide receiver is more of a position of need with this offense in particular than maybe we were initially led to believe. This is going to be a four wide receiver offense. That is what the air raid attack uh, consists of. If you look at four wide receivers now on Washington, the four receivers under contract, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, De'Ami, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, De'Ami Brown, Casimir Allen, as we saw them resign him earlier today. It, just not a lot of dudes in the wide receiver room. I know they're probably going to bring back Mitchell Tinsley. I don't know if he ended up on the practice squad or what. But I do think receiver is a bigger position of need than maybe we're making it out to be. And it, it leads me to think, well, what do they ultimately do with Curtis Samuel coming up in free agency? And you could say what you want about the you know multitude of different injuries that he had before the 2023 season. Between him and Brian Robinson, those were our best two offensive players last year. So if Cliff Kingsbury and this new offensive coaching staff are going back and grinding the tape, Number 10, excuse me, number four, Curtis Samuel, and number eight, Brian Robinson, for sure, are going to flash for you. Now, if Curtis is going to demand the bag, let him walk. I think you can get a receiver in the draft. But I don't, I don't know how they'll ultimately choose to address the wide receiver spot. Who knows if the receivers that we have currently, talking about Terry and Jahan, who knows if they'll be here by the time the NFL draft rolls around or by the time the regular season starts. Because if you're like me, and you're on your knees every night playing to the big man upstairs that we can get a trade for Caleb Williams, there is no member of the roster that I would not be willing to part ways with when it comes to acquiring uh, one Caleb Williams. 301-230-0980 is the number. Steve is in Columbia. What's going on, Steve? Hey, hey how you doing, Linnell? Okay, um, man, you I doing? think, uh, good. I think uh, reemphasizing the linebacker position because you can get some pass rush out of that. For sure. I also think tight end, and I think Logan Thomas needs to go, but we, <laughs> we need a playmaker tight end. And I also say uh, edge rusher, and I'm concerned about the safety position because too many times this year, even they were healthy, dudes were running down the field, and I, I didn't see the safeties anywhere near them. So I don't, I don't know if we all – Talk about how much we like Cam Curl and all that stuff, but I don't know, man. <laughs> no, I hear what you're saying on that. The, the, the safety thing is interesting, Steve, because my thing is this. like They've invested pretty significant resources at that spot already. Derek Forrest is a former fourth-round pick. Cameron Curl is someone that's going to probably receive a contract extension this summer. They drafted Quan Martin last year to take some of the responsibilities of the safety, so it kind of feels like they've already put enough eggs in that basket. To me, it's about this coaching staff getting the most out of the guys in the secondary. Okay, I agree. So I, I think the, the new scheme mm-hmm. on defense will be the key then. Yeah, For sure. We could say that. For All right, sure. man. Take For me. sure, Steve. I appreciate the call All as right. always, my man. 301-230-0980. We'll take a quick timeout. More of your calls coming up next. What is the biggest offseason need for the Washington Commanders? 
outside of the quarterback position. That's next, but first, the trending alert. After a night of no local sports in the area, we got a little bit of a doubleheader on tap here tonight. The Washington Capitals back in action. Alex Ovechkin looking to make it nine goals in nine games as the fellas uh, start a two-game road trip tonight uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays. A 7 p.m. face-off, 6.45 pregame coverage gets going on our sister station, 106.7 The Fan. The Caps roommate at Capital One Arena, those Washington Wizards, they're fresh off of the all-star break as well. They return to the hardwood tonight in the mile-high city, taking on Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. Late start because it's a West Coast game. 8.45, the radio party gets started with pregame coverage. Glenn Consor, Dave Johnson gets started. 9 o'clock tip-off right here on the Team 980, and that's what's trending. I don't know what's gotten into you, Matty Ice, but Rooster, if you're out there listening somewhere, my man, this is the talents that your super producer has behind the glass, man. Nothing but straight gas. Coming back from commercial break here on the Team 980, youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, sitting in for the Rooster, Chris Russell, as we take you up to 4 o'clock before we hand things to the elder statesman of the roster, Rick Dockrodick. (laughs) Thanks over to the DOC, Rick Doc Walker. He's in for Craig Hoffman. He'll take you uh, on your afternoon drive home. As we mentioned, Wizards basketball here on the Team 980 tonight. Uh, pre-game coverage just going at, eight, at 845. Uh, coming up at about 320, Denny Avdi is set to join the program. And we'll we'll talk to him about a bevy of different things, including his career-high 43-point performance the other night against the New Orleans Pelicans. So that's coming up at about 320. So, I want to continue to go through the top offseason needs for the Washington Commanders outside of the quarterback position. The last caller brought up linebacker, and I honestly feel silly for not bringing it up, but I kind of did it on purpose. I wanted to let you guys, you know, get it on the party. I could have listed all the damn needs if I wanted to, but it's our show, baby. I wanted to give you all some of the love as well. Linebacker's interesting, and I think the last caller made a tremendous point. When we heard Joe Witt and Dan Quinn talk to the media, one thing that they were both pretty adamant about is this is not going to be the Dallas Cowboys defense of last year. This is going to be the commander's defense. And this is why it was so important for them to get a bunch of different assistants that have coached in a bevy of different defenses. So they can all try to mend those minds together and come up with what DQ and Joe Witt called the commander's way of playing defense. One role that I know probably exists in that commander's way of defense is the linebacker position, and that's just not based on DQ. That's based on DQ. That's based on Joe Witt. That's based on Ken Norton Jr. being brought in. And it's also based on Adam Peters, who clearly sees the value in the linebacker position. You look at why San Francisco over the past five or six years have been so dominant on the defensive side of the football is they understand that linebacker, is a premium position in the National Football League. And the beautiful thing that I love uh, about Adam Peters and the way that he's addressed linebacker in San Francisco, you don't necessarily have to go out and spend super high draft capital on what is the linebacker position. I think there's a couple of guys coming out 
uh, at the collegiate level that are sort of going to be those safety linebacker hybrids and it's going to be hard for teams to find a role, those are the guys I see Washington going after. A guy like James Williams from the University of Miami. A guy like Cameron Kitchens from the University of Miami. I think that's why I think Cameron Curl is such an indispensable piece here because he is that type of chess piece that's got the versatility to play in a bunch of different spots, and he's also tough enough to where you can play him as a hybrid linebacker. I would love to know what the plan is for Cam Curl. I really would. Because imagine they ask Cam Curl to put a little bit of meat on the bones and get a little bit thicker and bigger and stronger. Imagine him playing linebacker. He's probably the guy on Washington's defense and maybe Washington's whole team outside of Brian Robinson. Let me rephrase it. Brian Robinson and Cameron Curl, I think, probably have the most dog in them out of anybody on this roster. They've got the most dog in them in terms of they're going to play balls to the walls every snap, they're going to fight through injury, and they're going to give you maximum effort on every single play. Those are the type of franchise cornerstones that you need. And some people may say, huh, a running back? How can he be a franchise cornerstone? It's about the mentality, man. Think about what Brian Robinson's been through the past two years. His rookie season had a tremendous training camp, burst onto the scene. Then the damn man got shot. And then when they brought him back, they used him. And he was able to help this football team down the stretch in 22. This year, his sophomore campaign, Eric Bietemi comes over. And Brian Robinson had to be licking his chops, thinking about how he could fit in this offense. He went out and worked on his hands, got better as a receiver. He was faster. He was stronger. Yet, for whatever reason, they didn't use him enough. I expect Cliff Kingsbury and this offensive coaching staff next year to make sure Brian Robinson is one of the focal points of the offense. In my opinion, may differ, right, from others in the fan base. But, dude, like, he is, I, I don't want to call him an elite talent, but, he, but he's an elite talent from my perspective. And I know he lacks the breakaway speed that some people talk about, but in terms of the vision and making people miss and, and running as hard as he does, he's good in pass pro. Like, I, I think Brian Robinson is a complete of a back as there, as there is in the National Football League. It's about this coaching staff getting the most out of him. Let's go to Cliff. In D.C., Cliff, what do you think the biggest needs are outside the quarterback here? What's going on? Hey, what's going on? Um, the player, the, um, the position we need to fill outside of quarterback, like you said, is like the last caller said, linebacker. But here's three three linebackers to pick from if we can get two of them. Um, you already, I already heard you say Brian Burns. He's 25 years old. He's more of an edge rusher, um, though, I feel like, right? Yeah, but he's a linebacker. Right, technically, right, right here. Um, here's one that Adam Peters knows personally. He just played for the Tennessee Titans, Ali Al Shire. Ooh, is he a free agent? Yes, he's un- okay. un- unrestricted free agent. Okay, for the Tennessee Titans, used to be a 49er. Okay, just racked up over 160 plus tackles, Dog. and he's a tackling machine. Yep, I'm familiar with and- him. I heard, and I heard the Baltimore Ravens are not going to be able to sign Patrick Queen because he's going to cost too much, and the Ravens cannot match Washington's cap if he doesn't go to Seattle. Now, that'd wide be receiver, yeah. go ahead. Now, wide receiver, if they don't bring back Samuel, or if they can't bring back Curtis Samuel, I was thinking maybe they should bring back Antonio Gibson, move him back to his natural position at wide receiver because he's he's much physical, he's a bigger receiver and use him as an emergency running back in case 
Robinson or Hump or um, Rodriguez, Rodriguez yeah. um, were to get injured. Now that's interesting. Talking about moving Gibby back to wide receiver, I got another linebacker name for you, Clip, because I know you heavy on these linebackers. Oren Burks. Oh, and I had another thing too. I'm glad I didn't hang up. I had another thing too. Well, Oren Burks. You familiar with him? He's in San Francisco right now as well, and he's slated to be a free agent. But I like the, okay, the kid that you named out of Tennessee. I think he could play. Yeah, he just racked up over 160 plus sacks, and if they could on a cheap and friendly deal, when they get their defense all set up. Because you can't never have more than one pass rusher. Right. If you're open to it, would you consider them bringing back Chase Young on a friendly deal and just let him be a pass rusher? No rundowns, just playing pass rushing um, situations. And I'll sit back and listen. Wow, Cliff. I know that's going <laughs> to get the people hot under the collar, talking about the idea of Chase Young potentially coming back here to Washington. I don't think that's something that Chase – would necessarily be on board for considering how tumultuous the ending was, but I, y'all know I'm not the guy that's going to come up here and bash Chase Young and act as if he can't still turn into a good football player. I mean, and, you created the Chase sexual name. <laughs> Some of the, but Matt, I, Matt, the thing that I feel like people are getting caught up on is that one play in the NFC Championship game where all of his teammates were loafing, not just him, but, of course, we here in Washington point out, Chase. Look, I I said it at nauseum when the whole situation was going on. I I think he's got to have a little bit more self-awareness when it comes to how he carries himself on the football field, uh, outside of the football field, in the locker room, around his teammates, et cetera. The one thing that I I take into account, and I follow a lot of the guys on social media, I even play video games with some of the guys every now and then, they all posted Chase Young making it to the Super Bowl on their social medias. Cam Curl, uh, Deami Brown, um, some other members of the defense. I think Deron Payne had posted it. Like uh, Benjamin St. Juice posted. The relationship between Chase and his teammates, I don't think it's as sour as some people make it out to be. I don't know if his relationship with maybe the coaching staff is even as sour as people make it out to be. I think he was not a fan of the way Ron Rivera and company handled his return from the messaging to the media and, and, and everything about it. They felt He felt like talking to people in his camp that they kind of left him out to dry and to be attacked and picked apart on social media. And when you're talking about a former number number two overall pick, they needed to do a little bit better job when it comes to damage control for helping out Chase Young from a public relations standpoint. Youngest in charge, Sean, out in Cincy. What's going on? I'm good, Linnell. Thanks. Uh, child Matty Ice is cooking in the booth Cook, today. Ain't for, for can, sure. we, can we get a request from my dog? He's versatile. He can play anything you want. And, well, I, I'm not going to request him because I trust his judgment. But what I will say okay. is, first things first, rest in peace. Oh, oh my God. I was practicing this for 10 <laughs> minutes and I messed it up. First things first, rest in peace, Uncle Phil. For real, for real, this linebacker core is so bad, there are no role models. We need to get them all out. <laughs> That's what I want to start with. I, dig I apologize it. for butchering no, it. No, I dig I, it. I, I get what you're doing. Know. I dig what you're doing. Yeah. I get it. That's hard, man. Yeah. Um, and just going off of that, that's my most important position, besides quarterback, is getting a real, gritty, hard-nosed, GD linebacker. Mm. I am so sick 
of these GD bums coming off of the Panthers or David Mayo shouldn't have been in the NFL. I don't know how. He should he should learn how to speak Chinese. Let's play in the Chinese league over. He should not be in the NFL at all. Cody Barton, maybe the last guy, maybe a practice squad player. But I'm not gonna. I don't want to talk bad on Jamin Davis. No, I love Jamin. I, let, let, let me let me say this, Sean. I yeah. love Jamin if he can figure out how, how to how to stay out the courtroom. That's that's what I love. Yeah, Jamin. yeah, exactly. I, I was gonna I was gonna make a joke about that, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think he he there might be something there. A guy like Patrick Queen, I mean, obviously Roquan Smith makes him look better. Well, yeah, I know that's the consensus. A, yeah. A guy like Patrick Queen, I just want a linebacker who I think I think it was Ryan Anderson. who mm-hmm. was, it, it, He said it a couple of years ago. He said something like, if I can remember my grandkids' names, I, I didn't play the game the right way. <laughs> and although he didn't pan out, right. he may have not panned out, I want that type of energy. I want guys who are going to come in here and they want to hit people so hard. I think like Brian Dawkins once said, I'm going to take his soul. I want people <laughs> to start taking souls at FedEx Field. I'm sick of people coming in and taking our soul. I hear what That's you're saying. It. And I think. Thank you, Linnell. Shout out, Pre- Matty Ice. Have a great day. Yes, sir. Appreciate the call as always, my brother. I think, first of all, I mean, just, just a round of applause for Sean with the energy that he brought. I hear what he's saying, though. And I think the reason that mentality is lacked here in Washington isn't all on the players. I think that messaging has to come from your coaching staff. That has to come from the people up top. What type of team are we going to be? What type of team are we going to be? I was all juiced up. I was ready to run through the damn glass in the building here when I was listening to Joe Witt in his introductory press conference. I don't know verbatim how he said it, but this is how I took it. There's a certain lifestyle that you got to live by to play in this locker room. There's a certain there's a certain way you got to carry yourself on a day-to-day basis to be a member of this football team. It is eat or be eaten. And I hope with this star-studded coaching staff that they put together that that message easily uh, trickles down throughout the rest of the coaching staff. We'll take a quick timeout and we come back. As promised, new mock draft from the Athletic, a pal Ben Standig, picking on behalf of the Washington Commanders. I'll tell you what he did with the Commanders' number two overall pick next here on the Team 980. I've been bobbing my head coming back from every break. So you're doing something right. Maddie Ice keeping us up to speed and under control on the other side of the glass. We're on the Chris Russell Show, Team 980. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. About an hour left to go in the program. My voice almost just cracked there for a second. The youngest in charge has hit puberty, people, so don't, don't worry about that. Uh, coming up in about 10 minutes, our pal Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com set to join us and. Anyone that hasn't went on to WalterFootball.com, if you're looking for really good insight on the top prospects coming out of the draft and detailed scouting reports with info from scouts and general managers and executives throughout the NFL, uh, make sure you go to WalterFootball.com. They do a tremendous job uh, digging and diving and doing the hard research to put together you know, a really good mock draft. I believe it's since 
2017, they've had the most accurate media mock draft. Uh, so they do a darn good job. Charlie Campbell, one of their draft analysts, set to join us coming up at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. We'll ask him his thoughts on the top quarterback prospects. And we got a little bit of an answer on the top quarterback prospects in the draft. Ben Standig of The Athletic participated in The Athletic's mock draft earlier today. And with this number two overall pick, Ben Standig had the Washington Commanders pulling the trigger on, guess what, people? A quarterback. Which quarterback, though, is the interesting thing here? They end up going. Oh, I almost had a sneeze attack. Is that there... wasn't a pause for yeah. timing. That was a legitimate sneeze at the worst time possible. It was just absolutely kind of awful. But the mock draft in the athletic, uh, Ben Standing picked on behalf of the Washington Commanders, and he had them taking Drake May, number two overall, the UNC quarterback. And here's the explanation from our pal Ben Standig. Whatever noise the rumor mill spits out over the next few weeks, don't assume the commander's new football leaders have already reached a consensus. Due diligence requires consideration of trading up to secure Williams, a D.C. area native, or moving down a significant haul would accelerate the current roster recalibration, as Coach Dan Quinn described it. However, the most likely outcome is choosing between May and LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels will go with the younger of the two. May is 21, Daniels is 23, with the prototypical size, 6'4", 230, and arm talent and familiarity with the version, with a version of the air raid offense that new coordinator Cliff Kingsbury plans to run. So that's Ben Standig shooting his shot at the number two overall pick and what the commanders uh, will ultimately do. And look at that, Matty Ice. I mean, we're getting a lot of burn on the old FS1, man. They love talking burgundy and cold on Colin Cowherd's show, man. It's honestly pretty funny. Well, it's actually even more funny because mm-hmm. Colin said, and with his prediction for us winning the NFC East, a large portion of that was us drafting Drake May. Huh. That he said, with us drafting Drake May, that puts us as the number one athletic quarterback in our conference, in a conference that is defined by the athletic quarter- quarterback. And that would be a leading factor for us winning the NFC East. Wow. I don't know. Colin Cowherd is normally out there. But he's damn good at what he does. I, anyone, I'm a huge fan of the whole lineup on, on FS1. I'm a big first things first fan. I love Nick Wright. Um, now, if you agree with the rooster, him picking us to win the NFC East just gave us the death coffin. But- well... Yeah, I heard Rooster's thoughts on that. That's normally how it goes, though, right? Whenever the media and everyone else is hot on us, we fall on our face. Remember the 2021 season. That's that's the thing that we all point back to. All the expectations that we had, and you limped into the playoffs, and then that wasn't me passing gas. That was the commanders falling on their face. Do you remember who was uh, working up at CBS Sports Radio in 2021? Would that be... The man behind the glass, Matthew Ice? It would be. Uh, there was a single person that was very excited at the beginning of the season, and it got real real ugly very quickly into that season. So were they, like, teasing you up there? Because I know that's like Giants and Jets country. Oh, it was not. It it wasn't great, but the good thing is every time somebody would laugh at me, I was like, yeah, just focus on the Jets. <laughs> 301-230-098. Let's go to Joe and Oxen Hill. Joe, what, what is your number one position of need uh, for Washington outside of quarterback here? Yes, I, hey, what's going on, what's guys? Going on, man? 
Hey, I, like you said, quarterback, of course, is a, a big question mark on what we're going to do here. But let's just be real. Um, we need to show up that offensive line. Uh, if, unless we have, unless sure. we're getting going back in time and getting Michael Vick so he can uh, run around all day and make plays on his own, we have to give the op, the quarterback, whoever's going to be QB1, we're going to have to give him an opportunity to run our offense. I think we did uh, – Sam Howell uh, injured justice last year by not shoring up that line. And as you can see, he got mm-hmm. pocket shot and started looking at that line and not looking at his reads yep. eventually in this season. And uh, even with Jacoby Brissett, hey, if he would have started, he would have got probably got hurt. Yeah. And Howell would have had to play anyway. He already did get hurt. Home. He already did get hurt. Remember, he was supposed to start versus San Fran. Exactly. But if he would have started in right. the beginning of the season – Instead of uh, our coach giving the job to Howell, uh, if he would have started because of our O-line deficiencies, he probably would have gotten hurt early sure. in the season and Howell would have had to play anyway, and we would have been in you know, a bad situation anyway with that O-line. If we, just, we didn't give ourselves a chance there, didn't give the enemy a chance there, not really well, going to touch that. <laughs> Joe, <laughs> I appreciate, I, Joe, I appreciate the call. I, w- I want you to listen to this off air because I was going to get into this, but – the way the clock has gone today, we haven't gotten the opportunity to get into this. There was a stat given out yesterday, Matt. I don't know if you're too familiar with this. You know what? I'm going to save it for tomorrow. I'm going to save it for tomorrow. We got, we got a bunch of radio to do. Let's save it for tomorrow. <clears throat> Want to talk all things NFL draft, though. Coming up at the top of the 3 o'clock hour, Charlie Campbell, draft analyst for WalterFootball.com, is set to join us. We'll ask him his opinion on the top quarterbacks in the NFL draft and then We talked about edge rusher a little bit earlier today. I was a little bit hot under the collar with some mock drafts having an edge rusher projected to Washington at pick number 36. When Charlie Campbell joins us, we'll ask him about the 2024 edge rusher class as well. That's next here on the Team 980. Power of Power coming up here on this Thursday edition of the Chris Russell Show. Team 980, we're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, sitting in for Chris Russell. We'll take you up to 4 o'clock before we hand things over to the DOC. Rick Doc Walker, quick programming note in about 20, 25 minutes or so. Uh, Wizards forward Denny Obdia set to join the program as the Wizards uh, get ready to come off the All-Star break tonight. They're in Denver taking on the defending world champions, Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets. Pre-game coverage gets going at 845 right here on the Team 980. Right now, though, I want to go out to the phone line is where we find our pal Charlie Campbell, the one of the lead draft analysts for WalterFootball.com. And we got him up. Did we get Charlie up? You're there, Charlie. I'm here. Hey, how you doing, Charlie? Yeah. I was <laughs> always love talking. Always love talking NFL draft with you. Appreciate you uh, being kind enough to give us some of your time. You can follow Charlie on Twitter at Draft Campbell. And I've been doing this whole mock draft exercise since I was a real young kid, man. I'm only 26, but I've been participating in the mock draft space since I was like 14, 15 years old. You guys always seem to talk to any and everybody when it comes to getting intel on these prospects. And sometimes dudes' feelings may get hurt based on some of the info that you all put out from the scouts. I love the honesty about it, and I love the process that you all go through. 
Obviously, here in Washington, Charlie, the big hot-button topic in the draft is the quarterback position. How will they choose to address it? Will they trade back? Will they stay at pick number two? Will they trade up for one Caleb Williams? From your vantage point, Charlie, is the gap significant enough between Caleb and the rest of the quarterbacks for Washington to pony up the assets to move up to number one? I don't think so. I, I personally really like Drake May from North Carolina and Jaden Daniels from LSU. So I, I personally think that the gap isn't big enough to give up the amount of picks it would take uh, to move up. Because even even though they're only moving up one spot, mm-hmm. it's going to be expensive. The Bears aren't going to just give that pick away. Uh, so they're going to look to get you know a, a great package even to go down one spot. And I think with all the needs on the roster there in Washington, mm-hmm. you got two other really good quarterback prospects who, in my opinion, are better prospects than Bryce Young was last year, who uh-huh. went number one overall. So I would rather just sit at two and, and pick between those two uh, rather than trying to have to give up some of that second round uh, ammo that could turn into some really good starters for Washington. Now I'm reading your, your mock draft that you put out a couple of days ago. And you mentioned in one of your excerpts talking about uh, Caleb, could you potentially see a scenario in which Jaden Daniels ends up at the number one prospect? Cause clearly you are very high on all three of these guys. It's more of a, a matter of preference, right? Yeah, exactly. And I know some, you know, I think the media has it a bit more uh, consensus than teams do because I know some teams that like uh, Daniels and May more than Williams. Wow. And I know some teams that like Williams more than those guys. So it it varies, and some teams uh, felt that last year Williams' deep ball accuracy wasn't as good. They didn't like some of the tape, like, say, the Notre Dame game, for example. Uh, and so I think that just given the personality concerns as well and, you know, prima donna stuff and family things, all that stuff kind of, I think, can bubble up during the draft process as well, where uh, when they do the interviews and all that, you can see teams kind of switch the order of these guys. So uh, I definitely think it's fluid. It's ongoing. Uh, and it wouldn't shock me if, if the Bears uh, or Washington ended up preferring one of the others. I do wow. think Washington likes uh, Williams and Daniels more than May, but it's still and that's early just, and, that's just based and, off and a lot of, can change. That's just based on conversations you've had about where Washington's yes. preference is to this point. I, I think it's interesting, yep. man, because the one thing that fans here on the radio often talk about is – you know, because of the Dwayne Haskins situation and because of Chase Young, the idea that there's some concern about how Caleb would handle himself being back at home. When you talk to folks around the league, what is really the other stuff that that folks are concerned about when it comes to Caleb? Is it a situation where it's just the tape or are people concerned about how involved his father is and, and him not having an agent for that matter? Yeah, uh, that I've heard that for months. Uh, the the father concerns, and that's not abnormal. There, you know, the helicopter dad, quarterback dads are 
are, you know, that's been a thing that teams have been dealing with for quite some right. time. So uh, that won't scare them off completely, but it is a, it can be a pain for them to deal with. But, you know, I think the personality, the, you know, that consideration uh, all factors into it. So, uh, you know, if they feel that another player is pretty comparable in terms of their skill set and being a good quarterback, but they, come with less baggage, perhaps they're a better worker or they show more intelligence uh, on the board and better recall and they just have a better rapport with the coaches on the pre-draft visits where they feel like, you know, we'd rather work with this guy. Uh, That flips things with teams uh, when the coaches get involved, you know. So uh, it's going to definitely have some ebb and flow here in the next few weeks. Uh, with the combine and those meetings, the pro day, the meetings there, and then pre-draft visits uh, coming in April. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. We always see a lot of big-time movers during combine week, whether it's at quarterback uh, or other premium positions in the NFL as well. We're joined right now by Charlie Campbell, one of the lead draft analysts for WalterFootball.com. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at DraftCampbell. Uh, We know Washington is going to be heavy on the quarterback position. Some other positions of need for them is edge rusher and offensive tackle. I want to talk about the edge rusher class in particular because it seems like there's a bunch of varying opinions about how good this edge rusher class actually is. I want to ask you about a guy that I actually know a little bit personally myself that may be available for Washington in that round two range. Talking about uh, Chop Robinson coming out of Penn State. Got the opportunity to play with his older brother in Little League football, so I know Chop a little bit. When you talk to evaluators across the NFL about Chop, is there is there any concern about his size and the ability to be a three-down defensive end? Yeah, I think there is some concern there, you know, being a guy that's roughly 6'3", 250. You know, we'll see what the exact numbers are next week in Indianapolis. But you know, having size like that, you, you're almost in the tweener, linebacker, defensive yeah. end category. So uh, that that could be an issue. But he also, as he ages, he'll gain weight and he can get stronger in a pro strength and conditioning program. And I've heard uh, from team people and um, from people who were with him at Maryland that he's a great kid yeah. and a good worker. And so I, I think that when you have that kind of character and some guys just physically will develop a bit more, uh, you know, as they get older and as they get into the league. So when you have that great character, you kind of have that, that security background that, you know what, even though he's a little undersized right now, we know this kid's a worker and he's going to do everything he can to get bigger and stronger and become that three down edge rusher. And he has just lightning speed off the edge. So I think he could be a really nice option for Washington in round two. For sure. And one, one other thing about Washington's picks talking about 36 and 40 just based on the way the edge rusher class is in free agency, I don't feel like they'll go edge there. But offensive tackle is for sure a, a position of need for this group. I, I look across different mock drafts, Charlie. Some have 11 offensive tackles going in round one. Uh, I know you've got a good amount of offensive tackles going in round one. When we get into that area of, of 
that second round, looking at like 36 through 50 maybe, who are some of your favorite offensive tackle prospects slotted to go in that range? Well, I think starting off with you look at Jordan Morgan yeah. uh, from Arizona, who had a really nice week at the Senior Bowl. He's a really athletic, uh, quick-footed, light on his feet, smooth mover, has short arms, uh, very short arms, like 32 inches. So that could send him into round two, might kind of knock him out of going in the first round. Um, so he's kind of on the bubble there, but he, he could feasibly get to pick 36. Uh, and then aside from him, there's some other nice options. Patrick Paul from Houston, he's a giant yeah. of a man, uh, just massive. May, I think he was probably the, the largest player at Senior Bowl from yeah. looking at the players on the field. You know his brother's here at left guard, Chris Paul, so that may be intriguing for Washington as well. Right, and then uh, Kingsley Suamatia, the cousin of Penny Sewell, who's a star for Detroit. Um, He's coming from BYU. He needs some development, uh, but he definitely has upside, and he plays really physical, gets violent in the run game, uh, and has a lot of talent to work with as a pass protector. So he could be another nice option there uh, at pick 40, for example. So uh, I think those guys would would really – should end up kind of being in that second round range uh, to give them a few few guys to consider to help beef up that line. I know everyone's been praising the depth of the tackle class throughout the process. Is there a scenario or a guy that if they start to slide, Washington should definitely pull the trigger on going up and getting them? Because when you have picks 36 and 40, Charlie, if, a, if an offensive tackle, say you like the kid Mims, out of Georgia, and he, you know, for whatever reason, takes a landslide down the board. Is there a tackle that you're willing to bet on and say, you know what, I think maybe though, even though he's falling, it's still worth going up and trying to get him? Yeah, I mean, there's a few. I think Mims is is definitely going to be, to me, is one of my favorite players. I think he may end up going top 15, Um, man. He's a freak. Yeah, he's he's just a beast, a physical freak. Uh, The problem is he, I think he, what, he only started six games in college, uh, but when he did play, he was dominant, and the season before, going against Ohio State in the playoff game, he just was just toying with those defensive ends that have been uh, pretty highly touted players themselves. So uh, he's got huge upside, but he's had durability issues and then uh, limited experience. So he is a guy that might slide. And if I'm Washington, I definitely consider him as a possible trade up target. Um, I'm not sure if JC Latham from Alabama really slides too far. Um, but if he got into the 20s, I think that would be a, a, a real top candidate to consider moving up for because that, that just looks like a plug-and-play upgrade for them. And then I think Tyler Guyton uh, from Oklahoma could be one to consider there that could get into the 20s, uh, early 30s. That might be a slight move up for, but you come away with a player with a really good skill set, big time upside, huge uh, edge blocker that's also smooth and and can handle the speed off the edge. So that's a tough 
skill set to find, and he has it. So there's a lot of good options there. They're sitting in a great spot there at, in the second round to have something really nice fall into their lap. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm not going to lie, Charlie, you kind of burst in my bubble a little bit with the first question. I, I'm a big guy. I'm a big believer in Caleb Williams and his ability. But I, I do understand the premium that it would potentially cost to go up and get a guy like that. Get off quarterback here for a second. Another position to need here for Washington with Dan Quinn and company coming over, looking at how they played defense in Dallas. Off-ball linebacker is definitely a position, a premium position when it comes to that defense. And I know Adam Peters comes from that thought process as well, knowing how they use the linebacker position in San Francisco. Who are some of your favorite linebackers in this class? And is there anybody in particular that, has that dog mentality that may be getting a little bit underlooked here in this process? Well, you know, in the second round there, uh, there should be some really good options for them. And as well as uh, at pick 67 early in the third round, uh, they could have some good linebacker candidates there. I think Edger and Cooper from Texas A&M could be the top guy, but he could be available there at one of their second round picks. He's a big, nasty run defender, uh, you know, not as, not as a super fluid mover in terms of being, you know, a pass coverage guy that's going to go one-on-one, like yeah. say a, a smaller undersized, like a Levante David, for example, yeah. Cooper's more of your thicker, bigger body, shut down the run, uh, really be that cop in the middle of the of the box and, and limit teams to help you stay in good down and distance. So uh, he's he's definitely a player that I think will be a good pro linebacker. Then you have other other really good options. I think Tommy Eichenberg from Ohio State yeah. is a nice player. Um, I think you also have to think of. Uh, um, the Notre Dame kid, Maris yeah. Liufau, uh, he would be a really good fit in the Dan Quinn defense, in my opinion, because he's such a good edge rusher. So I think you could you could have him be kind of a Sam linebacker that ends up uh, moving, you know, to rush over the tackle and the sub package and really give you uh, some speed off the edge. But Peyton Wilson from NC State just was phenomenal last season, tackling machine. I think he could develop into being a good starter in the NFL, and they could potentially have a shot at him there in the second, third round. So there's going to be a number of nice linebacker prospects for them to consider. Now, I know you said you love you some Jaden Daniels. When I read you this statistic, what what do you make of it? So Jaden Daniels, this according to Austin Gale of PFF, will have the highest career percentage of sacked on pressure dropbacks of any first-round quarterback in the past five years. When you look at that aspect of his game in particular, what do you think are some of his shortcomings there? Well, you know, I think that's something for him and Caleb Williams that their pro staffs are going to want to work on in terms of getting the ball out. I think both of those guys have a tendency uh, to hold on to the ball and and give their receivers a lot of time to uh, work their routes downfield. And they both are such dynamic athletes. Uh, that they know they can wait and and let that ha- let things play out and then ad lib their team into a big play by 
scrambling and throwing on the run or just taking off running. They've both been so good at that in college. And I think that in the NFL, obviously you're going against a higher class of defender and athlete. So that ball needs to come out quicker. And, you know, you want to cut down on injuries and hits as well. The longer you hold the ball, the more hits you're going to take. Uh, so I definitely think both of those guys are going to have to work on that. Just, you know, getting those timing routes down, you know, getting the ball, hitting that back, hitting that back foot and ripping it, you know, so they're going to have to work on that. But I think that's something both of them can be coached up on. Yeah, for sure. As we get to the combine in Indianapolis and go throughout the rest of this pre-draft process, we'll, Start to know a lot more about the flaws of these quarterback prospects, Charlie. I appreciate you giving us some time as always, my friend. Happy draft season, my guy. Yeah, thank you very much. Great talking with you. Yes, sir. That is Charlie Campbell, ladies and gentlemen. Simply the best when it comes to talking NFL draft. Just detailed advances as you're going to find here on some of these top prospects coming out in this April's draft. A lot to get to here in the final 40 minutes of the show. I honestly, y'all know I, I don't, I don't think I know more than anybody. I respect Charlie's opinion. I just don't know how anyone can watch the tape and say that there isn't a gap between Caleb and the other two prospects, man. I just really think if Washington feels like Caleb is the best quarterback prospect in this class, and based on what Charlie said, he, he's talked to people within Washington's organization, and they prefer uh, uh, Jaden Daniels and Caleb Williams to Drake May, if that's the case, man, ah, means they're probably going to take Jaden at number two. I'm not going to be insufferable, though, because like I said, glasses up, people. We're at the mercy of the evaluator. Quick timeout when we come back. Switch things to the hardwood. Danny Avdia having a career year in year number four, set to join the program ahead of the Wizards' return to action tonight against the Denver Nuggets. Denny Avdia joins the program next. When Chris comes back on Monday, I want you to keep the same energy, okay? Don't let him bully you into playing ah, 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 soundtracks. Well, Monday we do Motown. Oh, it's a Motown Monday. Ah, okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. That's interesting. I got a text message that I read from a salesperson. If they're listening right now, they probably think I'm horrible at my job. Because I just stopped reading. Because I stopped the show and just read the text in the middle of the show. It is what it is. Team 980, we're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey apps. The youngest in charge movement. Another half hour of me before we dish things over to the DOC, Rick Doc Walker. And uh, he's fired up about all of our little jokes that we made about him earlier today. We've been talking all things NFL. Big shout out to Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com for joining us in the last break. Burst in my little bubble. You all know what I want to do at quarterback. I want Caleb Williams. But according to Charlie Campbell, as we get closer to the NFL draft and this pre-draft process continues to play itself out, you may hear a little bit of noise about Caleb Williams off the field and his father and things of that nature. So buckle up. It's going to be a very interesting ride. One thing he did say uh, that I wanted to put some emphasis on, 
based on people that he's talked to from Washington, there is a preference of Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels rather than Drake May. So buckle up is all I got to say. Wizards basketball coming up tonight, 845 here on the Team 980 is when Charlie, Charlie, Dave Johnson and Clint Consor uh, will get you warmed up with the radio party. It's a 9 p.m. tip-off uh, right here on the Team 980. First game out of the All-Star break uh, for the Wizards. They're out in Denver taking on Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets. When we get back, Denny Avdia, star forward for your Washington Wizards, fresh off his career-high 43-point performance last week, is set to join us, giving us his thoughts on what the mentality is for the boys coming out of the All-Star break. Denny Avdia up next. Welcome back. Chris Russell show here on the Team 980. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge of movement, Linnell Willingham, sitting native for Chris Russell. Another half hour with us before we hand things over to Rick Doc Walker. As I mentioned before we hit the break, the Washington Wizards back out of the All-Star break. Uh, they're in Denver tonight taking on the Nuggets. You can listen to that right here on the Team 980 starting at 845 with the radio party. Right now, though, kind enough to be joined earlier by Denny Avdia of the Washington Wizards. Right now joined by a special guest out on the BetQL guest hotline, our pal Denny Avdia of the Washington Wizards, fresh off of his career-high 41-point performance uh, last week against the New Orleans Pelicans. Denny, you guys coming off for the All-Star break. First of all, appreciate you guys giving us some time, and what are you looking forward to here post-All-Star break? First of all, uh, thank you for having me. Yep. And uh, we just finished practice. I think um, we're in good shape. I say, you sound like you out of breath a little bit, man. <laughs> yeah, I just I just finished work out, you know. It's, I feel a, it. it's an authentic interview right here. <laughs> we um, appreciate it, man. But um, I think we're together. We're trying to uh, push the last stretch of the season, try to win as much as possible, get better. Um, honestly, as everybody knows, you know, our record is not the best, yeah. but we can get a lot of benefits from playing together, and we have a lot of young, uh, a lot of young talent in our team that can develop and. I think those couple of games, it's really important for us to develop and stay together and uh, compete as much as we can. You mentioned, obviously, it's been a rough start to the season, but yourself, Danny, you've been phenomenal from the get-go. I remember when I saw you out at media day, I poked some fun at you, man. You definitely look bigger like you had been in the weight room. You've seen a sizable <laughs> jump in pretty much you know, every statistical category for you this year. Where's your headspace at right now, and how confident are you uh, that you can continue this hot stretch of play? I feel like I still have a lot, of, a lot of room to grow. I'm still learning game to game in terms of like, where's my spots on the floor and getting yeah. better defensively and better getting better and communicating on the court. But you know, I'm always, I'm always competing. That's something that since I started playing basketball, I, I didn't uh, give up on any play, on any season. You know, I'm always here to compete. Doesn't matter the record. Doesn't matter the game. The time. Uh, I'm trying to do the best that I can. I'm working hard. Uh, and honestly, like, you know, I'm in a good stretch right yeah. now. I'm just trying to keep it going. And uh, it's, it's a, good thing, a, a good thing to build on for sure. 
Definitely, it's huge for the you know growth of this franchise for you to continue to take a step. I'm happy to see you put the work in. Speaking of that work you put in, I know this summer was crucial for you. Finally being healthy going into an offseason and getting the entire summer yep. to really work on your game. What have been some of the benefits of that, and can we expect this type of growth moving forward if you could stay healthy? Oh, I was I was going through it. Uh, pre, <laughs> I had like three preseason uh, pre, three pre-seasons that I was mm. injured yeah. and I couldn't be with the team and couldn't really develop in the summer like I wanted to. And I feel like this summer my body was in the best shape. I was taking care of my body and I was able to improve on the stuff I wanted to improve, get a lot of repetition, be there with my teammates preseason, get the chemistry together, get the chemistry right. And um, that's what uh, I feel like that's what a big part of why it's more comfortable for me right now. I definitely can agree. It's showing on the court for you. Obviously, you know, we talk about all the time just trying to create good habits as a young basketball team. With you now being in year four, with the chemistry and dynamic in that locker room, how have you tried to assert yourself a little bit more as a leader this year? Because you definitely seem more vocal. Um, first of all, it comes with experience. Yeah. You know, that's my uh, fourth year right now. I know the guys for quite a bit. I play, I play with them. They have more confidence in me. The organization has more confidence in me. I feel like everybody's just uh, respect my word more. Because, you know, as a rookie, you're coming in, you, you know, you're getting uh, bullied a lot. You get right. bullied, bullied <laughs> a lot. Your, your word doesn't mean a lot. But I feel like, you know, especially where I came from and, and, and playing the right basketball and having the, having the place to come and say stuff when I need to is big, big for our team. And I feel like um, it's been helpful for me to grow as a person and from, for, for my team, for sure. You mentioned where you came from, Denny. You obviously had a lot of success overseas and really dominated the league that you played in. It was the youngest MVP of that league ever. How, how difficult has it been transitioning? I know it's been four years now to this point. I guess how, more, how much more comfortable are you transitioning from the way you played overseas to how you're playing now? Because I think as we're starting to see, you're, you're fully capable uh, of scoring from all three levels, getting your teammates involved, and then defensively, I know that's where you really take a lot of pride at. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, especially coming into the league, you know, I didn't get the ball a lot. So my bread and butter was always the defense, yeah. like competing on the defensive side, whether it's rebounding or defending the best player. And what I'm happy about is I'm still doing that. Like, yeah. I'm still doing it. I'm still, like, taking this challenge to honestly have a have us better chance to win. You know, I'm going to do whatever it takes um, for the for to be for the team to be, uh, to be able to win games. And honestly, um, you know, it's it was tough for me in the beginning, like condition-wise. Like, yeah. I feel like being away from home, being away from friends and family. And, um, you know, it's a new country. I'm not right. a lot of people know what is it to be in a new country and, and play. And I think that was more challenging than the pa the basketball part. So, yeah. I think I, after I overcome that uh, that part, uh, it was just like getting better in basketball, and that's where it all clicked for me. Joined right now, the BetQL guest hotline by Wizards forward Denny Avdia. Denny, I give you a ton of credit, bro. Just from a real human, human life standpoint, you having your career best year in the midst of what's going on back at home, I don't know how your friends and family are affected by the situation going on in Israel, but can you talk about how that's been to strike that balance between, you know, wanting to worry about what's at home, but then obviously having a career to focus on? It's been really difficult. So, it's like at the beginning when it all started, the season just the season just started, and you know all my all my friends who were fighting in the army and my friends just making sure my family's safe. It, right. it was really difficult, you know. My heart's in, like my heart is in prayers are with the families and whatever's going on going on in Israel. You know, it's it's tough to follow, but 
you know, my job is to represent my, I'm sorry, my job is to represent and uh, be there for my country and make sure that everybody of the NBA fans, teammates know what's going on. And I think it's, I think it's been good that, you know, I, I was in a good stretch and being able to uh, pass the message. Yeah, so, for sure. um, it was big for me. For sure. I think, you know, we as fans appreciate what you've been able to do. And as you mentioned, thoughts and prayers out to the families that are impacted. We talked a little bit about the locker room dynamic that you guys have. I think it's a cool locker room. You guys added Jordan Poole to it this summer and uh, off to a little bit of a rough start in the first half of the season. How has he been, though, as a teammate and uh, continuing to help you maybe even grow and develop as a player? Honestly, no complaints. Jordan is a great dude. He's a great, hardworking dude. And, and you know, like, we, like you shouldn't, like, us as teammates, we trust him. We know he's a great player. We see what he's capable of, and we know it's it's all good. Like players have stretches all the time. It's bad, bad games, good games. It's part of basketball. Um, obviously, you know uh, he's sticking with it. He's working hard, and that's the most important thing to see. That you know, we, know we all trust him to make the right plays, and I'm sure he's gonna have great games coming up. Denny, just from the naked eye, right, and watching, it looks like you guys are playing a lot better under new interim head coach Brian Keefe. What has his messaging brought to the team, and how different is his voice when he is the main voice? I think he, uh, first of all, like we're competing. Yeah. I feel like uh, defensively uh, we're taking more pride in one-on-one defense. Uh, I feel like he gives us a lot of confidence in going, make plays, and play fast. Um but uh, other than that, it's just I feel like our chemistry is, is way better. Like, we're talking to each other, like, uh, after games, like, what's wrong, what's missing. And uh, communication, I think, is the most important right now in our team. And he's doing a great job of emphasizing it. So, he's been great. He's been putting us in the right spots to succeed. And hopefully, it will transfer to win in the future. Denny, I don't know if you caught the comments that uh, former Celtics great Kevin Garnett had about you, some high praise about the grit and toughness that you play with. <laughs> How does it feel, bro, to get that type of recognition from a player of his caliber? I mean, you know, it always feels good to have a recognition from a guy who competed right. every game. And <laughs> we, we have the, I think we have this, like, really similar mentality in terms of, like, comp, like uh, competing and being a, like being a dog out there. And I feel like, when a guy like that uh, saying uh, those stuff about you definitely feels good. Denny I'll, Denny, I'll let you go on this, my friend. So I just saw this stat via Denny Avdia News on Twitter, my friend. <laughs> I need I need to catch my air a little bit, man. I, <laughs> I did an interview all like breathing hard. I'm sorry. No, you're good, bro. You're good. But I want to let you go with this stat. You're one of four players this year averaging 13-plus points per game, six-plus rebounds, shooting 50-plus percent from the field, and 40-plus percent from beyond the arc. It's just you, Carl Anthony Towns, and Kevin Durant. So really shows yeah. the type of jump that you've made, my man. I appreciate you giving us some time, and best Thank of luck you. in the second half of the I season. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You're a lot. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you so much. Talk soon. Steny Avdia, ladies and gentlemen. Always, uh, always glad and thankful when the Wizards are able to uh, provide us some time with the player and the timing of it couldn't have been better Danny coming off of a monster performance last week uh, against the New Orleans Pelicans it got me thinking though man as we get geared up for the second half of the season the stretch run so to speak for the Washington Wizards what do you want to see here because I know throughout the first half of the season things have been rough Wizards have what is it 28 games remaining in their schedule. This is VR pal Josh Robbins of The Athletic. Wizards have 28 games remaining in the season. Tankathon 
ranks the Wizards' schedule as the 11th toughest in the NBA. Uh, and tonight, <laughs> they will face the defending NBA champion, uh, Denver Nuggets. So, I don't know. I don't know if Matt, you could potentially look this up faster than I can. The worst record in franchise history for the Washington Wizards. I think it may have happened during our lifetime with the Darius and Gila Earl Boykin Wizards and the Dominic McGuire Wizards. So th- this this team not looking very good in their strength. The schedule down the stretch uh, doesn't look like they'll be getting too many more wins. But down the stretch, I just want to continue to see the growth and development uh, of the young cats on this roster. Bilal Koulibaly's taking a nice step here uh, in his first season. We, we've seen Denny Avdi obviously having a, averaging a career high in every statistical category this year, points, rebounds, assists, three-point percentage. I think for Denny, the most impressive part to me is all we talked about last offseason going into it was how, wow, you know, Denny hasn't emerged yet, but he hasn't been healthy going into the offseason yet to this point, and he actually was healthy and his paying dividends. He was looking a lot bigger during media day, and he's improved his three-point field goal percentage, eight percentage points from last year, man. So a huge jump for Denny Avdi. So what I'm seeing, mm-hmm. the 2001 and the 2009 Wizards were tied for the worst franchise record with 19 and 63, which actually puts us on pace to be well worse than that with a current 9 and 45 record. <laughs> That means, I'll repeat that. Nine and forty-five. So at nine and forty-five, the record that they've got to get to to tie it is sixteen. They need ten wins, or yeah, ten wins to tie it. The worst record of the franchise. They've got twenty-eight games left. They need to win ten out of their twenty-eight, and they have yet to win ten out of the first sixty. <laughs> and I love the Wizards as much as the next man. I hope this isn't. Whew, well, they're on the road, so no one importance around right now. I mean, this is awful, bro. Like, and it, and it, what's so crazy about this, right? Is I remember when the Jordan Poole deal went down, I was like, man, I think he's going to win Most Improved Player. I had no clue. I don't think he had any clue that it was going to get off to this rough of a start. And I, the reason I even asked Denny about Jordan. It's because I do understand the locker room dynamic there with the Wizards because I'm I'm there and around on a pretty routine basis. There isn't any panic with the group. (laughs) Like, they understand what it is. They know that they're a tanking team. They understand that. I know there was a little bit of surprise at the deadline when certain veterans weren't moved, but here throughout the final 28 games of the season, I mean, it's going to be rough. As we mentioned, Tankathon says they have the 11th toughest strength of schedule. Uh, remaining here in the NBA. So we'll see what happens the final stretch run here uh, for your Washington Wizards. One final segment here on the Team 980 before we hand things over to the elder statesman, Rick Doc Walker, set to take you on your afternoon drive home. When we come back, we'll take a look at the Washington Wizards' remaining 28 games, and I'll try to predict whether or not they're going to settle for the worst record in franchise history. That's next here on the Team 980. One final segment here on this Thursday edition of the Chris Russell Show. Linnell Willingham sitting in for the roost. He'll be back with you on Monday, me and you the next two days. Coming up next in about, or whenever I give it over to him, actually. It's DOC Rick Doc Walker will take you 
on your afternoon drive home. I feel like during today's program, and I, I keep going back to our conversation with Charlie Campbell. If you missed uh, any uh, of that convo, make sure you download the Odyssey app. Use the Odyssey Rewind feature and go back uh, to the top of the 3 o'clock hour. Plenty of good draft nuggets uh, regarding the Washington Commanders and folks that he's spoken to in the scouting community and uh, executives and scouts throughout the NFL, giving him premium insight on uh, where certain teams are leaning. My big takeaway from what Charlie said was the idea that uh, – <laughs> I just got another funny text from sales. The idea that um, it was told by Charlie – and we'll cut this up for you. We'll, we'll actually probably leave with this tomorrow because I think it's pretty damning information that we got privy to. Charlie Campbell saying that folks that he's talked to uh, within the Washington organization – what he's hearing is that they prefer Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels uh, to Drake May, which is very interesting. And uh, the one thing that was interesting is we always assumed that because Drake May has familiarity with the air raid offense and because Cliff Kingsbury knows him that he would want him. I think based on the info that he has about him, he knows him so much so to the point where he's like, nah, probably not for me. We'll talk about that a lot tomorrow. I uh, hear one to four on the team 980. I want to go through the Washington Wizards remaining schedule because, Matt, could you remind us again how many wins they need in their final 28 games to secure the worst record in franchise history? Wait, how many they need to secure the worst? The worst record. So they need 10 or less. 10 or less. So they can't win. <laughs> this is awful that we're having to do this. So the record is the lowest win total in franchise history is 16, right? 19 in 63. 19 to 63. Clearly. Now, I technically, I will say, back when they were, I guess, the Chicago Packers or something. Who? I'm seeing. We, the Wizards. Okay. Chicago Packers is the biggest oxymoron ever, right? Back in 1962. Technically, uh, way back when they were 18 and 62. But I got to be honest, I'm only counting it for the years in which they were in Washington. Right. So, with that metric, they need to have a season that is at 19 wins or worse in order to secure the worst all-time Washington basketball season. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 of their final 28 are on the road. <laughs> they have a better record on the road than at home this season. I hear you, Matty Ice. I, I hear you. Wow. So they, they got a, a West Coast road trip that they're on. Uh, well, technically, it's not even a road trip. It's a two-game roadie. They're in Denver tonight. Then they got a back-to-back. They take on Oklahoma City on Friday night, two of the best teams in the Western Conference. Then they come home Sunday uh, for a date with Donovan Mitchell in the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then Tuesday, I'm excited for. I'll be in attendance on Sunday. I'll for damn sure be in attendance on Tuesday. Stephen Curry's coming to town, ladies and gentlemen. Him and the Warriors. And guess what? Draymond versus Jordan Poole, part two. I can't wait. Woo! Woo! I didn't even think about that, man. I'm just a, I'm, I'm clearly just someone that loves drama. And I can't blame myself for loving the drama. I'm excited for it, though. I mentioned beep, Jordan beep. Poole. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. What did Q the Fool say? We haven't heard from Chris Russell all day today. He's out. Driving, getting old Thai guy, making sure he's able to get where he needs to go. But Thank Chris, you for accusing me of losing my mind. You're welcome. You're welcome. I want to talk about Jordan Poole before we get out of here. Hopefully we're able to get him 
on the station at some point before the season ends. I had a really good conversation with Craig Hoffman. I believe it was last week talking about uh, Jordan Poole and just how rough this year has been for him to this point. I had someone on Twitter speaking just complete hyperbole. I think it was Bobby Marks. He was on 95-7 the game in San Francisco with Jason Dumas yesterday. He said that folks around the NBA are considering Jordan Poole's contract the worst in the NBA, which is, it just goes to show what's going on right now with the Wizards. They've somehow turned into the punching bag of the NBA, and I guess it's because of Jordan Poole. But for anyone to say he's the worst contract, he's like the 50th highest paid player in the NBA. Yeah. Did he not know that? Did he not know that the show doesn't start till four? What do you mean, Doc is is on the Comrex? Hey, Ice, you've done a great job, man. You've only got a few more minutes to babysit, <laughs> and then the adults will take over. I just wanted to let you know that uh, we're really proud of you. I'm sure Rooster is proud of you, and you've shown a real versatility. Yeah. Anytime you can go from doing what you do Monday through Friday at a very high professional level. And then yet you can deal with Willingham in a way that you did. And it was entertaining. You guys did a hell of a job. I, I just that. wanted to say, job well done. <laughs> do you see, do you see, do you check the Twitter mentions, man? What Twitter mentions? <laughs> I'm not on Twitter. I'm on, on X. X. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Twitter slash shut down a year or so ago. You on catch X, up. bad. That's yeah, a, catch that's up. On me. I think it's, this is J.P. Finley's ears. This, Whoever this, does that is that is brutal. It is. No, this is a page dedicated okay. to J.P. Finley's ears. He yeah. says, Rick Doc Walker, I can't believe you let the black Stay Puff Marshmallow Man have the kahunas <laughs> to make fun of you on the radio. What is a Stay Puff Marshmallow Man? I know Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Now, that is funny. Have you never seen Ghostbusters? Yeah, Ghostbusters. No. Yeah. I, y- y'all don't understand. I'll watch nothing. But sports. Doc, I was asking about Goonies during the break, and that was also a big fat no. Oh, it's rough. But over he here. but he actually gave a diagram and he's tastefully done. He must be an art major. <laughs> because he gave you the air puff and he got a smile on your face and he's blown up. It kind of looks like you body wise. <laughs> and so I gotta give and I just I did, you know, did, I meant you know to what, ask Doc, you know what, Doc, this is what I'm done with. I I told what? you I got into an Uber the other day. And no, it, it was. It's, and when I get into an Uber, when we were at 1067, the fan versus Team 980 night, all the people go up to me and go, damn, I thought you were like 400, 500 pounds. Right. I said, you know what? That's that's all right. That's all right. Doc, you know But I'm you a, are three bills. No, I'm not. I guarantee you I'm not. We can, we can make a little friendly wager on that as well. I guarantee you. I just weighed in. Come on, man. Tighten up. Yeah, but you weighed in. Yeah, but you weighed in. At home, no, no. I, I went at doctor's appointment. Doctor's appointment. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, doctors can be bribed, so I, <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> just because man. you said, I don't believe that. Ain't that but I will say this: <clears throat> JP's ears. I, you sure that's not JP behind this? Well, you know JP's in the car right now listening, so I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you it's think not him. JP listens to 980. Oh, he 100. He 100 calls. He calls into Chris Russell. He all does the time. call. You know what? You know what? He's the coolest teammate mm-hmm. you can ever have. Ever. He really is. He's he probably really gonna, he's probably gonna call you here in the next three hours. While now he's out burning, doubt, up, while but, he's up burning up the roads. But I will say this: that whoever this gentleman is, he's very talented. No, he's not. JP's ears. Yes, he is. Did he draw Be- the caricature in the TwitCon in the avatar? No, but at least he went high profile in color. Yeah. 
I mean, and and he, um, I I I compliment talent. I do too. You know, as long as it's tasteful, that's tasteful. It's not derogatory. Yeah. You know, he didn't do the lamppost old Negro with the lantern in his hand and nothing like that. So, <laughs> I think he did a good job. He did a good job. Whoa! And this is about you. So, yeah. Well, you know, it's just all- wait. I'll tell you what you don't want to do. You don't want to keep listening for the next three hours. I can promise you that. Because you will be the topic of several of our insider deals. Say goodbye. Say goodbye. Turn them off. Turn them off. Doc Walker coming up next. You can catch me tomorrow, same place, same time, 1 to 4, in for the rooster. We'll have Brad Briggs of the Chicago Bears join us, talking all things Bears and what they will do with that number one overall pick. Doc Walker coming up next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.